Welcome back to the Board Game Battles Podcast, episode 19. Today we're going to be discussing two games about making wine, Vinos versus Viticulture. I'm your host, Randall, and with me is my co-hosts, Jeff and Drew. Hello. Hello. And so it's going to be an interesting uh, discussion this week because these two games are pretty big when it comes to, uh, well, as far as winemaking games go, I don't know if there's a lot out there. I know there are maybe a couple others, but a few. I, there's a few. There's beer definitely making, a few. Beer making ones as well. Yeah, there's some good beer ones, which <clears throat> might be a different episode. You never know. Or maybe we'll do wine versus beer sometime. But for this time, it's going to be two of the big games in uh, wine making. So, And then um, afterwards, we're just going to have a little bit of a free-form discussion talking about various things. There is a little bit of Imperial Salt news that we will talk about. Uh, but then we have a few other things we can discuss too. Um, so that'll be, that will be that. So let's, uh, just dive right in. Um, I'm going to go, I usually always go with the game that's came out first. Um, and it's a bit weird in this one because both games have sort of earlier editions. So when you look at Vinos, its original edition was back in 2010. Uh, the version we played was the deluxe edition, which came out in 2016 and, they're kind of weird because the deluxe edition is sort of the simpler edition, almost like the they they took uh, feedback from the original one that came out, uh, simplified it a bit, and then released it as the deluxe version. Um, and then, but they kept all the uh, original stuff in there as well, so you could play it the original way, which is now sort of considered the advanced. Copy. So you're saying all those rules was. A dumbed down version? That was the dumbed down wow. version we played, wow. yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll talk about Vinos first, just because it does have the original release date of 2010. And then afterwards, we'll talk about Viticulture. So Vinos, Deluxe Edition, as I mentioned, re- um, originally 2010, has been re-released in 2016. The designer is Vital Lacerda. Artists, uh, let's see here... Mariano Ionelli from 2010, and then Ian O'Toole for 2016. Publishers, um, the new version came out with Eagle Griffin Games. Originally, it came out with What's Your Game, which was probably his original, like his own one that he made, but then also was released a bit under Aiello, uh, Yellow and Z-Man Games. Now, mechanisms they list on Board Game Geek, Area Control and Area Influence, and worker placement, which doesn't quite... Area control doesn't quite work Doesn't here. quite work here. Neither does worker placement, really. Um, yeah, I, you it's more like action one. selection, kind of. Yeah, with a worker, yeah. but it's only one worker. And or I guess there are workers like farmers and those wine experts, but they're not worker placement as in you're using them every turn. They're, they're sort of just sitting on your player board. So and, as we go through the rules, it'll sort of make sense, but... And there's no limitation either to yeah. placement. Like, you no. place your farmers and your guys according to the rules. But Yeah, that's about it. So, yeah, those those mechanisms don't really gel with how the game plays out. Uh, BGG rating, 8.4 out of uh, 1.3 thousand ratings. And that's for the current version. Original version has a 7.5 out of 8.3 thousand ratings. So one of the few times the sequel was better than yeah, the original. Has, but with less ratings, too. So the other one had, because it's been out since 2010, seven years, 
you know, had probably amassed quite a following, and quite a few people who uh, enjoyed it. So I think 23,000 is not bad. Um, and then, yeah, the new version only has 1.3 thousand ratings, but it's still a respectable 8.4 out of it. So that's pretty good. Yeah, but I can understand the higher rating if it's an easier version. Like I said, it wasn't... Uh... Like it was simplistic in its rules. Yeah. And if the advanced version was as driven as was being explained to me with the economics and the, mm-hmm. I can see it being lower because not a lot of people have the patience the to patience learn for that, that really type of game. Heavy. And, and this one was fairly heavy too. Yeah. And then making it even heavier with the economic side. Um, it turned people off. I, I could definitely see 7.5 is still pretty high for a game with that much. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. But yeah. Um, if we look at his um, his pedigree of what he's designed, um, like Vinos was his first big game. Like he had he did an expansion for Age of Steam, a Portugal expansion back in two thousand nine, and then he's made a few really huge games: um, Kanban Automotive Revolution, another really big Euro from two thousand fourteen. He did the Gallerist and the, the more recent Lisboa. So he's like all his games are like boom like up there like there are people the games that people are playing that people are talking about for heavy euro games um in particular um okay so let's look at uh, some of the things rulebook um now to be fair this game um i don't own um, a friend of ours came brought his copy with him taught us the game and and played it with us we were hoping to have him on the uh the show but he couldn't make it today his name's jake so hey Jake, sorry you couldn't make it, but um, I'm just looking at the uh, the rule book online just to get a sense of it, and it is a very nicely um, designed rule book. It uh, very colorful, you know, good pictures in there, um, and, and as you as you look through it, it um, it seems to be fairly well laid out. So I, I think they've done a really good job with this year uh, rule book, but full honesty i haven't fully read through the rule book or anything so you know it, it could be quite possible that there are things in here that don't make sense if i were to read it but just through um first blush it looks it looks quite impressive so i'll have to give them props for that it looks like they've made a quite quite a nice rule book here components i you know can't really complain about the components they were all excellent and it you know it makes sense because it was a, a kickstarter so I, I think it did fairly well, and so it made quite a bit of money, and they probably had the the funds to well, even pick like it the, up a notch. the wooden meeples, the like the farmers, the farmer meeples, they, the they wine experts, arborists—is that what they're called? I can I can never remember. Yeah, the, it's a weird. It's a title. If you're not really huge okay. into wine, you probably wouldn't have heard this term before. But it might, I think it's arborist or something. Onenologist. Oh, maybe it's onenologist. You know, what? if I have the rule book <clears> open right in front of me here. It'll probably tell me what they are if I eventually find them. The little white dudes. The little, yeah. And but yeah. You, you could see they're actually <laughs> holding up a wine glass. In they're their holding hand a wine with glass. The little wooden meeples. So yeah, it was and, pretty good. And we won't get into the whole. The white guys were holding white wine glasses while the brown guys were digging in the fields thing. Um, that can be <laughs> problematic in a lot of these type of games. Um, I'm sure nothing is meant by it. It's just how it. It just seemed racist. It just seemed, yeah. It seemed a bit off. Oenologist. Oenologist. There we go. The science and study of wine and winemaking. Ah, there we go. Nice. Enologists. Yes, enologist. Okay. Yeah. Um, so those are there's the two types of meeples um, that you collect during off the game. Um, but yeah, the board is a it's a huge board 
but um, you know, good quality. Double sided. Was it? Yeah, it's double sided yeah, because it has the 2010 version on the other side. Um, there are a lot of tiles um, that uh, go on one corner of the board. The tiles are used for bonuses you can get. Um, there's also um, some that are wine experts, and there's four different types of wine experts. So, the, but they're all good quality cardboard. They're they're thick, solid, very solid. Yeah. Um, what else was there? Uh, the money. It's just little. It's just little tile money. So it's nothing special. Um, maybe I would have preferred to see coin money. You know, in a, in a, in a, a Kickstarter. You like rarely that. had so much any of it anyway. That's true. You went through it pretty quick. But yeah, Anything I could understand wanting like an actual like a metal coin or a something with coin. a Kickstarter. Yeah, like, they usually upgrade to. And I don't know if there was that option at some point, and Jake didn't go for it. It's hard to say. I'm, I'm sure you could actually just poured over the the metal money from oh totally from viticulture yeah no you, you could get metal money and bring it in it's just this game yeah. for the high production value it just it had this these little cord tokens for money which i mean yeah. they, they were still they're fine like solid yep. quality cardboard yeah at least it wasn't paper money so yeah it was it was a bonus there um the reduced weight on on the money though probably saved them in shipping costs oh true yeah oh, definitely yeah um, and then there's like the little wooden discs, um, that you, you know, you're sort of like your influence discs. E- everyone had some in their colors. So in your player colors, you had little wood discs, you had a player board, you had a little pawn or whatever it was that sort of sits in the middle of the board for, for choosing your actions. It might have even just been a cylinder. I can't remember now exactly. I think it was a person, wasn't it? Like it was shaped yeah, like a little person. meeple. Was it, was it meeple? A meeple? Yeah. Okay. So you had your little pawn meeple. Um, that, or meeple that sit in, sat in the center of the board. Barrels. Um, you had barrels, yeah, for casks for for using on the board as well, but in your personal supply. Um, you start with a couple, but then there was more you could get um, at certain points during the game. Um, so but those are all fairly good wood quality, you know, good quality wood pieces. And there's also these um, little bottles of port. There's um that were related to a particular area um uh region. And if you if you had influence in that region you got these little bottles of port which were quite cute, you know, nice nice little like little wine bottles. Little wine bottles um that functionally didn't matter. They didn't have to be these little wine bottles, no, but they're just this nice little visual yeah. reminder that you have the ability. You have them that you could use. Yeah. yeah. So those are those are cute too. So production value is outstanding. So definitely great production. Now rules. Um, I'm just going to do a real high, high end, um, high overview of the rules on this because, as I said, um, I've only played it a couple times myself, um, and, and Jake was one who's really the rules expert on this game. But um, really, it's not that difficult a game. It's just it's another one of those games where until you've started playing a couple rounds and you've had it, you know, you have it explained to you, but then there's so much to remember that you're not going to. Oh, Jake did an excellent job explaining the rules he too. Did. That absolutely, it, it's like when we started, they were simplistic enough experience with games here yeah. between us that yeah. we picked it up fairly quickly. Fairly quickly, yeah. I can see it being intimidating as a jump in if you're like, I like wine. Hey, here's a game about wine. Yeah, it's definitely not, not a, a starter game. No, <laughs> for, well, for somebody. I, I think even when when Jake put the board down, I mean, you could immediately see, you know, a lot of iconography yep. being yep. used on the board, and so I think. My my initial reaction was, "Holy cow!" It, it <laughs> seems intimidating. There's a yeah. lot of but, stuff on this board. Yeah, but um, yeah, once once the rules are explained to you and and you play that, like even even that first round, 
you know, you may have to go back and, oh, what does this symbol mean? But yep. yeah, it was it was actually quite easy to um, grasp and, and play. And then I guess the challenge will, you know, it's like with chess, it's easy to play. It's hard to hard play to well. Master. Hard, hard to figure out what's the best <clears throat> strategy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, now getting to, to gameplay. And so this is where things will really vary. But uh, how the board is laid out, on the um, left side of the board when you're facing it is the regions, the various regions where you can get vineyards. Um, and there's a total of nine different regions. Uh, now there are ways to, depending on the number of players you have, that can change. You can cover up regions so there's less. But in a four-player game like we were playing, there's a total of nine. Each region has um, vineyards that you can uh, purchase. Um, and they, they do vary a bit, like from region to region. Some, I think the most expensive vineyards were around five lira or whatever the, the current. It wouldn't be lira because this is like more Portugal, Portugal kind of thing. So five dollars, whatever the currency is, um, ranging. I think the cheapest ones were around three dollars for, for a particular plot. And each one has four uh, vineyards that you could purchase. So if you go to a particular region... You can get one of their vineyards. There's two red and two white of each um, of each type. And you sort of shuffle them up as you're setting the game up so that you, they don't necessarily come out in the same order. So it could be a red, could be a white, could be two red and then two white, whatever. Um, so so each region has the four vineyards and, a, and an action space where you sort of put your um, influence marker whenever you buy a uh, vineyard from there. Which and was then, pointless when it comes down to it. Yeah, yeah, it really, it, it pretty much was. Unless there was eventually a, a purple scoring tile that might oh, take yeah, that I into guess effect. We, we didn't see all the purple scoring tiles, so yeah. maybe if there was something there. But it seemed pointless in our game because we didn't see If that. we didn't see something like that, then it does kind of seem a little pointless. Um, but whenever you buy a, a field from a particular region or you do things... Um, on your player board that affect that region, there's these little spaces underneath the um, for each region that you put influence um, tokens on, which are influence cubes or like little wooden cubes, uh, which can be used throughout the game by anybody who um, has in, um, a token prestige. on that prestige. Prestige, not there are prestige cubes, yeah. um, and that's where it's important to know where you are Renown. because you can. Renown, <laughs> renown or prestige. It's really hard to keep all the terminology yeah, wrong. Yeah, without the rules. And I have the rules sort of here, but I'm not scrolling through them to find everything as we talk here. Um, but any time you do something with a particular region, these prestige or influence or whatever they are, cubes get added to the region. And only if you have influence in that region with your disc can you spend those cubes. So that's why it's important. But the you could only spend them anyways if you were using wine from that region like right so like you, you already know you have that i guess the it's on your player in front board. of you like it the vineyard you own is in front of you and True. you can see that it you'll know comes where from there where you're getting it from i guess maybe just a bit of a more of a but it's a bit more of a visual cue for other people to see too so I, they know who else is also in that probably, region without having to look at player boards there probably is a purple there might be there thing, totally could points be at the end of the game you're probably right in that regard yeah um, so that's the the left side of the board. And then going over from the left side, in the center of the board is the action selection area. It's like a, a square area that has nine um, 
well, essentially eight, but there's like a ninth spot in the middle that kind of does stuff as well, but has the nine squares that are how you select your actions each turn. And you have your meeple that you're moving around this area. Um, that's how you select actions. So that's in the middle. Um, below that is a couple of areas where you can sell wine. One area where you're selling wine for money. Another area where you're selling wine to ship it overseas, which is strictly for victory points at, during and at the end of the game. Um, above that is the turn order. That's where you keep track of the turn order. That's what... At the top of the board is a little track for, for the turn order, and um, there's like two, two rows for that, the current turn order, and below it, um, if you adjust the turn order for any reason, um, you move the, mar the markers around at the bottom before they move them back up, just to keep track of the proper turn order. And then off to the, uh, the right of the board is a lot of, um, there's an area that has to do with um, showing wine. It's like a wine show that happens three times throughout the game and you present a bottle of wine there and gain points um, based on various criteria. Uh, above that there are a bunch of tiles that after the wine show happens you um, you can get these special tiles, some of which um, are used during the game to give you special benefits others, which are the purple ones are used only at the end of the game for getting additional points. And what was at the bottom? Just a space to put tiles for like cast or sellers, uh, whatever the upgrade to the orchards were. Oh, that's right. There was a few upgrade. Like things that you could buy to upgrade were sort of stored at the bottom uh, right of the board. So nothing really huge, just uh, sort of a storage place in this version of the game. Uh, when you go to the 2010 version, then things just go crazy, and the whole board's used for various things. And it's just yeah, I think it turns into like a bank or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I also forgot to mention um, next to the uh, action selection area in the middle, there's also a little spot for all these wine experts. And there's four different types of wine experts, and you have a stack of three. No, four different types. Oh, that, I, I thought I thought talking about this top above, where there's the three people with their criteria where you store your barrels. Sorry. The what the other the taster the smeller yeah there's four of them oh yeah there's a, yeah okay okay right yeah it helps if I can get a full view of the map here yeah those those are the experts that you had to impress at the wine shows yeah the ones that were above and then <coughs> yeah. the, you had the people you could like hire by bringing them over to your board to improve your wines or get special actions right yeah that's right yeah so you had these uh, the the wine sort of the Wine, I don't know if they're wine experts or whatever, but they're, yeah, they have these special tiles you can buy um, that you bring over to your player area and they give you special benefits you can do by, uh, they're like one time per year um, benefits that you can do and then they'll flip back over and you can use them in another year. Um, so there's four different types of those. Uh, what else am I missing on the board? There was something else I saw. Oh, there's also the weather. So Every um, year, there's a total of six years throughout the game. Um, every year there's a, or maybe it's seasons. I'm not sure if it's six years or six seasons. However, it's figured out. Um, there's a, a weather token that's sort of flipped over. And when you flip this token over, it tells you if it's favorable weather or if it's bad weather and how it's going to affect the wine prices or wine Production. quality. Yeah. 
So um, you flip it over, and it also gives you a few other clues as well. So um, during a year where you're presenting wine, it also gives you a few things that the wine uh, that they're looking for at the uh, the wine contest or whatever fair or whatever it is. Um, it'll give you a few things like if they're looking for a red or a white wine, if they're looking for a certain value of wine or quality of wine to be at a certain level, or if they're looking for wine to be from certain regions, that'll all be on this one tile. And it'll also um, have bonuses you can get if you use certain experts when presenting that wine, your wine to them. So that's all taken care of on this one tile that gets flipped up each year. So a new one gets replaced every year. So, um, as you go through the gameplay, that'll sort of be made clear. Like I said, I'm not going to go, try not going to go, trying not to go into huge detail on this because it just, it's going to be impossible. Um, so as you're playing the game, you have a player board in front of you. Your board has room for five different plots, um, or five different wineries, I guess you could say from different regions. Uh, each each of your little areas has an influence disc on it. So you have five different influence discs and a little storage area for uh, barrels that you have in um, available to be used. Uh, each person in turn, uh, once you figure out the player order, goes through the action selection. And the action selection is essentially everyone starts in the middle. The first person to go will take their pawn and move it to one of the squares off of the middle, so one of the eight squares surrounding. There's, out of those eight squares, seven different actions. So one action is repeated twice, and that's the action to buy a, 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 um, a vineyard from one of the regions. So you have two areas you can go. Uh, whenever you take your pawn or your, uh, your meeple and move it onto an action, if there's somebody there already or the turn marker is on that particular action space, you have to spend a dollar for each piece of wood that's not your own when you go into an action space, which seems a little weird, but that's just how it is. If it's the um, turn marker that's on the space, you're spending a dollar to the bank. If it's another person's um, meeple on the space, you're spending a dollar to them. There's also one other way you spend a dollar if you skip a space. So when you're in the middle, you're connected to every space, and it's not a problem. You can go anywhere. Once you're on a space along the outer, you know, eight spaces, um, if you go anywhere that other than one that's either directly orthogonal or diagonal from where you are, you will have to spend an extra dollar. So if I if I want to go to one, um, if I want to select an action that's two away from me, I spend a dollar for getting there, and then I spend any money for any pieces of wood that are on that space. And that's how the action selection works. The different types of actions you can take, as I mentioned, uh, there's two spots that let you buy a vineyard. There's a spot that lets you buy a cellar for one of your uh, one of your vineyards that you're um, on your player board. One that lets you buy a uh, another building. I think it's like a, what is it? I always forgot what they called that Yeah, what thing. did they call that building? Let me just see if I can find it in the rules It was here. the wine house. It's like a wine house or something. Um, and it uh, it helps improve the quality of the wine that you produce on that particular um, or um, vineyard or whatever on that area, in that region. Because you can only ever have... I know you, you could have the same region on two different spots, couldn't you? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
you, you, but um, if you have if you have influence in the same region more than once, and you and you want to keep them separate, then it's like you have two vineyards in different areas of the same region. But typically, you're you're only usually have one one region on your player board at a time. Yeah, it wouldn't be overly valuable to get both the red and the white from the same region. Yeah, because this is a game where you're not mixing your grapes, so you either have a red or a white. And that's you know from particular uh, in in a particular area, so you don't have red and white in the same area of your player board from a particular region. Ah, anyway, <laughs> so um, so yeah, you you can add these like so you can buy a vineyard, you can add a cellar, you can add a wine house that helps you improve the quality of your wine. Then you can hire farmers or these enologists. Oh man. Um, that's another area where you can go. Um, and most of these actions you can take up to tw- two times. So when you go there, you'll do it once for sure, usually. And then you have the option of usually doing it a second time as well. So when you're hiring workers, whether it be farmers or enologists, uh, you can either hire one or two or one of each. And everything has various values for, for when you're, when you're paying for them. Uh, another thing you can do is... Um, sell wine. There's an there's a space for selling wine, and that's just um, to sell um, in mark at the market for a certain value um, based on the quality of the wine. And so, the higher the quality of the wine, the more money you'll you'll make. And what you do whenever you sell a sell a bottle that way, you put one of your barrels on the appropriate space for that value, so that if somebody else wants to sell one of that value, they won't be able to. They'll have to sell it for cheaper if they want to get any money for it at all. Um, sort of is, I guess, like you're flooding the market with the same value of wine, so no one wants it. But there is separate spots for red and white. So if you had a, a red value 5 and a white value 5, you could sell both for 5 because they're different enough, because they're different types. Uh, there's another space, action space, for selling, for shipping your, your wine, and those that's where you get just strictly uh, victory points and also victory points at the end of the game. But again, it takes another one of your barrels. So you only start the game with two barrels. You'll you'll throw them out there. But at the end of every year, there's an option to take back one of your barrels. Um, and there are also additional actions that you can get either through specialists or or, or whatnot or the, or the special tiles you can get that can also let you get back barrels early. So sometimes you can get multiple barrels back in a turn. I but believe if, they were the only way you could pull barrels yeah. off of like the purple cards or the exporting of wine. That's right. For victory right. points. Yeah, because yeah. normally you don't want to pull <laughs> barrels off of when you're exporting wine because you, then you're not getting those points at the end of the game. And uh, whenever you get these purple tiles during one of the wine fairs, um, you have to add, uh, commit a barrel to it. And so that's another way you're going to lose a barrel so you have less you can do. And then the final action in these middle spaces is hiring specialists. And you go to that space, and then you spend a um, dollar per specialist, and you can hire up to two. And then you just choose the top specialist of each stack. And as I said, there's four different stacks. One is like a smell specialist. One's for taste. Um, it might be one's for look. And then what would the last one be? He's holding up the little glass. Uh there was one that increased the percentage of alcohol. Oh, yeah. so he's like, uh, okay. So, yeah, so... Increase the strength of the wine. Yeah, the strength of the wine. So the, you get the four different specialists. So you can hire up to two of them. You just take the top one of each stack. And they'll have a little... They have little diagrams on, on 
the bottom of each one showing you what special action they give you. Um, it can be just as simple as you flip this guy, you get a couple bucks. Or you flip this guy and he'll increase the value of your wine as you're selling it. There's little things like that. Um, and each each specialist can only be used once in a, a year. Um, how the years work, it's sort of a... There's a total of six years in the game. And then they're sort of broken up. And there's also three uh, wine shows throughout the game. Actually, um, the they only get flipped over twice for reuse uh, at the end of a wine show. Oh, it's at the end of every year, wine show. That's right, not yeah. the end of year, every year. So at the end of every wine show, they get flipped over. And the first wine show takes place after three years. So And each year has um, two actions that happen. So you'll... What is it? You take two action selections. Two actions. You retrieve one barrel, and something. then you grow your grapes. Or oh, your, right. You, you age your stuff. You age, age your, and your get wine. your production for that season and produce. Yeah, that's right. So each um, each of your vineyards and or whatever will produce wine of a certain value. Um, the base value of a vineyard is two. Then you'll add in stuff like um, if you have a worker on the vineyard, it'll add plus one to the value. If you have two vineyards in the same region, that'll add together. So each vin- vineyard being worth two will be become four if you had two of them. If you had a worker on each one, that adds another two, so that's a total of six. Then if you have like a, a house or one of the these um, mine buildings, whatever they're called. A winery. Winery, maybe. That's what they're called. Is it what, is what they're called? Winery? Yeah. There we go. If you have a winery with a enologist on it, that'll increase it by another three. So the, the, the highest value you can get is a nine based just on what's in your, um, in your particular vineyard. And then you can also add in things like weather um, effects. Uh, the weather effects can increase the value or decrease the value depending on how good or bad the weather is. And when you're producing wine from a particular region, I think you can take the port. The the port. The port can um, one. There's one region that gives you port. If you have one of those bottles, you can discard that bottle to add three to the value of that particular wine. Right. Um. So that happens each year. So you have two actions: retrieve a barrel and then produce wine and age your wine in in one year. After the first three years, you have your first wine show. And what you do is you take the highest, typically the highest value wine that you have in all of your vineyards, um, usually trying to match what they're looking for for that particular, whenever that particular wine show happens. Um, and as I said, each, each year, each time there's a wine show, they're looking for a particular color, a particular value of at least a certain quality, and from a particular region. Um, as you're presenting, um, the higher the value is, the more points you're going to get. So there's a little track around this this um, uh, wine show, and you have a marker, and you're going up on the on the on the show based on like your quality of your wine and everything. And so the higher the quality, um, the farther you'll go. Um, you do it in player order as well. So there's things you can do to affect the value of the wine. Um, so after you take the value of as it is, the first person to go has to choose what tent. There's four different tents that they can place their marker on. One tent, and the first person to choose a tent blocks it for anybody else. 
so and the tents also help you determine player order for the next um, next year, uh, the next couple of years or whatever until the next wine show. Um, the first tent doesn't give you any benefit, but it gives you first player after the wine show. Uh, the second tent gives you a benefit of. Um, Was that pick an expert? I think yeah. The second tent gives you an expert of your choice, so you take from the stack of experts. Uh, the third tent just gives you some money. Uh, I can't remember if it was three. two or three dollars. Three dollars. Yeah. Okay. And then the fourth tent lets you adjust the value of the wine that you're presenting by plus three. So you'll uh, increase your marker by three just for, just by choosing that particular tent. Um, other things you can do to adjust the value is um, if the region you're presenting from has any of those little influence fluence cubes or prestige cubes on it, you can spend up two up to two of those cubes. To increase your value that you're of, that you're presenting by a couple more. Everybody does this. They they present their best wine. They adjust the value as they can, and then whoever is the farthest along on that little track will get the most points. Like so, there's like four different rewards. Three of them are point rewards, and then whoever's in fourth place when presenting just gets an expert of their choice. And then you go on to the next year. Um, in the new churn order based on however you guys finished off in that um, presenting. But your markers don't move off the track at all, so they stay where they are. So the the, the year after, when you're presenting the next wine, you're going to have an advantage if you're in first place. It just sort of, yeah, it just sort of... They, they you like a, your previous like, year, so they yeah, give you an advantage. You did well the first year, so they're, they're expecting more from you this year. After the first uh, wine show, then there's only two years until the next wine show. But again, it's a standard kind of thing. You do two actions per year. You get a barrel back, and you and you produce wine. Um, on your player board, each of your vineyards or regions um, can only, by default, can only hold two bottles of wine. And so the first wine you produce there is going to go in the first space. When they age, you go to the second space. And if you haven't done something with that wine, by the time it ages again, you lose it. It just goes away. Um, if you buy a cellar, it replaces those two spaces with um, four spaces. And any wine that's currently on your board will transfer to the cellar in the appropriate space in the first two spaces. But cellars also give you the advantage of as your wines age, they increase in value. So even the very first spot gives you like a plus one value to your wine just because you're keeping it in a cellar. But by the time you get to the fourth spot, that wine will have a plus five value. So it's like two plus ones, a plus three, and a plus five, I think. Yeah. yeah. So that's the advantage of having cellars. But there's a limited number of cellars. So not everybody can, you know, have cellars in all of their wine, um, in all their regions or wineries. So you, at the most, you, you'll be lucky you'll have two sellers mostly. Some, and then maybe, like in our game, two of us had two sellers and two people had four sellers. Yep. So it, it can be you know really beneficial to get those sellers as quickly as you can. Um, so yeah, after two more years, you have another wine competition. exact same thing happens again. You present, new player orders done, and you get your points based on everything. Then you go down to the very last year before the final wine competition. Um, the difference being after the third wine, there's one churn after the last wine competition. And that's for you to 
try to use up any barrels you have, um, trying to get points before the game ends. Um, but after that third wine competition, any experts you had and any special tiles you had, don't flip back so that you can use them again. If you used them prior to that, then they stay flipped over. Um, that's one thing I did forget to mention. At the end of every wine competition, there's an opportunity to buy tiles. Um, and the way you buy tiles is by discarding one of your wine, um, available wine tokens from your, from your board. So if you have like four or five wine tokens, you're presenting one wine, you have a few left over, you can discard one and grab a tile in player order, in the new player order. Uh, the big thing is you usually want to discard cheap wines because expensive wines you want to either sell for money or present. So if you have any crap wines, say from a bad year, you'll typically want to discard those to get these tiles. And for the first two, uh, for the very first competition, there's only green tiles available, which give you special benefits, similar to what the wine um, experts do. There's a few different types of benefits compared to them, but it's essentially the same thing. You're getting a special token that you can use once per um, competition cycle. Um, and then it will flip over like your wine experts do, and then you can use it again. In the second competition year, there'll be some green, but then they'll start coming in purple um, um, tiles, um, which you purchase the same way. You just discard a wine to get one. Um, but then they'll give you end game points. So they give you like goals that you're trying to get whether it be a um, certain number of types of wines or whatever. Um, this just just ways to get additional points. But it also costs you a barrel. It also costs you a barrel. Gameplay. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, you start with the game with two barrels, but there are additional barrels you can get. Um, at the top of the board above the, uh, the competition area are three experts who are looking um, – uh, judges, three judges – who are looking for specific, specific types of qualities of your wines that you're presenting. And as I mentioned, the year will give you three different things that they're looking for. Either the color. So the first expert or judge is looking for a particular color. So it's either going to be red or white. So if your wine matches that, you can potentially get one of your barrels from that judge um, to use in the future rounds. First guy is looking for color. Second person is looking for value or quality. Uh, so if, if your wine is meets the, or meets or exceeds the quality they're looking for, then you can get a barrel from them. And then the third expert is looking for, um, from wines from a particular region. There's usually four different regions that they're looking for wines from. So as long as you meet any or all of those, um, conditions, you can get up to two of your barrels from those judges. So like I said, each judge has, is holding on to two of your barrels. You choose which ones you get barrels from um, as long as you meet their conditions out of the three. Sometimes you're only meeting two of the three conditions and you can only get barrels from those particular judges. It can be difficult to get all six barrels by the end of the game, but not impossible. I, was I, able to I do thought it. the hardest one was actually the color. Like the easiest seemed to be quality. Just in our game. Quality was, yeah, definitely the easiest. The middle one is the easiest to get a hold of. Uh, region, maybe a little less so, because you never it's know random. from year to year. Depends on how you, like, luck and how diversified you went with your orchards. Yeah. True. Um, and then, yeah, co color would be the other one, but that could sort of be 50-50, whether you're presenting the right color or not. I just know early I took quality, and then yeah. late I couldn't fulfill one of the other two, so I didn't get all so my barrels. So you didn't barrels. get all your barrels by the end, yeah. yeah. Um, and so... 
typically you're only presenting wine during the competition, but there is a way to present early. Um, as I mentioned, there's a total of nine squares in the action selection area. The middle square, you can go, you can always go to the middle square no matter where you are, and you don't never have to pay to go to the middle square. Um, if you go to the middle square, there's a couple things you can do. Um, you can choose to change your order in the uh, player order um, selection. So you can, if you're last, you could say, oh, I want to go first or second now. So you can adjust the player order by going there. But then you also have the option of presenting a wine early, which seems a little weird, but there can be reasons to do it. If a particular year comes up, because every year the weather changes and the judges are looking for something different that year, um, even if it's not a, a wine competition year. So if, you, if a particular year comes up and you meet all three criteria or you can just, you know, you're ready to present because you don't know if the, the year that the actual competition is on, you'll meet all the criteria again. You could say, I'm going to present my wine now. And so you would go through the whole competition by yourself as if you were, as if you're presenting during a competition. So you do all the things, you adjust your play, you'll place your disc where you want to be at the end of the, when the actual competition happens, you figure out all your values and everything. You just won't get the points until everyone else is presented later. But you can do all that stuff and get, I don't know, do you get your barrels right away? Yes. Yeah, you do get your barrels right away. So that's another way to get barrels quickly by presenting early. So there is a reason to do it. It just doesn't happen very often. At least in our game, it didn't. I think it happened, happened once. Yeah, I you think I did only it. did it yeah. once. You're the only one who did it. Um, but that's essentially it. So you go through the six years. You go through the three competitions. You get your one final action to try to you know get as many points as you can. And then you tally up your points. And you go through um, the area where you're exporting wine. Um, it, that one's very much an area majority kind of thing. Each column, there's like a columns that have points at the top of them. And whoever has the most barrels out of, and there's four spots under each column, whoever has the most barrels in each column gets the points. If it's tied, then you split the points. Um, and that's essentially it. And then, and it ranges, I think, from like 14 was the highest, maybe, to 6, I think, in the columns. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, something like that. 14, 12, 10, 8, and 6, I think. I think like that. that one spot is where they get their area control area. That's influence. the whole area control in yeah. this game, which, <laughs> yeah, okay. They have to be great. That's area control. Uh, but, yeah, so you get the points from there based on how well you did in putting barrels out in that area. You get points based on your purple token, uh, your purple tiles, Um and other than the points you've gotten through all the, the three different um, wine uh, uh, competitions, I think that's essentially it. Yep. Oh, there's also something about getting, you know, at the end of the game, you get points based on money that you have left over. Money you have left over, but wine you have left over too. Like oh, yeah, half, half the, value. the value of the quality. So if it's yeah. like a, a, four, a token, and it's based on the actual number on the token as opposed to any other modifiers. So if it's a, a token that has a four on it, you get two points for it, that kind of thing. And the, and the tokens that they have for the wines, they're double-sided, white and red. They range anywhere from two all the way up to 14, 14 I think. Was 14 the highest, was the highest. Yeah. So you can get up to seven. If you have a 14 token sitting on your board, that's seven points. Actually, the there the was game. ones. Was there ones? Yeah, because you could get a, a minus one year with a two vineyard to get a oh, yeah, wine. Okay. I, yeah, I dumped a few of those during the yeah, end of the... Yeah, that's right. There were ones. 
those were good to use to get tiles at the end of each yeah. competition. Yeah. Um, but that that's essentially the game. You go around, get as many points as you can, and at the end, whoever has the most points is the winner. So that's Vinos. Whew, yeah, and, you know, and, and, that, and I think that was me doing a Highland. Maybe that's describing the game pretty accurately. I don't it's know, pretty but accurate. pretty I mean, accurate. It, there's some like little details that if you're going to sit down and play it, you're going to need to know. Yeah, but, yeah, you couldn't exactly play it the way I described it, but you got a general overview of how it played out. Well, and and one of the good things about like the board for this game. When you go to the trade show, it actually has every action laid out. Yes, it's in token format. Like, yeah. it's symbolized. It's, it's all symbolized and has, like, this. you do this first. And once you know what that means, like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then, and then so do this, then do this, then do this. Yeah. Exactly. And then there's, like, a cutoff point as you're doing stuff, meaning that. So I think if you resent early, you do everything before the cutoff yeah. point. And then there's this break where you don't do the rest of this action until, until everybody's everyone done presents. It. And that's where you get your points. It's where you um, do get something else, and then also where you get um, to buy the tiles at the top. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely a good game, oh, yeah. um, and I do I do really enjoy it. It's um, a heavy game, definitely. Yep. Um, how well do I? How well does the theme carry through? Do I feel like I'm producing wine, um, or am I just building an engine to get points? It's hard to hard to say. Well. Because of the trade show aspect, it did feel like you were trying to produce a quality wine, not True. just yeah. a mass production of wine. You're, you're yeah. trying to get a specific type of wine. Right. Unfortunately, when you get to the trade show, there's that luck element of when you pull the weather of what they want. I could have a quality 14 wine and still do well at the trade show, but I won't yeah. be getting barrels, which is the engine part. Mm-hmm. So th- I think there's a decent mix here of both. Yeah. Like, you can like this game even if you're not a wine person. Oh, I'm yeah, not totally. a wine uh-huh. person. Yeah. I enjoyed this game. Yep. So if you're into the wine, I think it has enough for those types of people to play the game and feel like they're doing something involving wine. Mm-hmm. And it can also be good enough mechanics to draw on other people. Yeah. Yeah, one thing, too, is I, this is my second time playing it, and you're first. Um, but it, try, trying to keep a track that... The very first time we flipped the weather thing on is like oh, they have like the wine experts on there and you think oh they're going to be looking for this but that's just that particular yeah, year yeah. they're not you know by two years down the road when you're actually having the wine competition oh they're looking for something totally different from what I thought they were looking for at first and it's like oh you're keeping track of that kind of thing and yeah, I was I think a little Jeff and I ran into that yeah immediately. I did too yeah. because I was like oh red oh, I can do I have all those things I can I could you know produce, present a good wine and it's like yeah. oh wait that's just that year. Oh. But, I mean, I was frustrated with it at first. Yeah. But I understand it from a game mechanic, and yeah. I think it's a good mechanic to have because it, it's what you need to do to the divi- diversify what you're producing. You don't just make from. one really good wine in one region yeah. and hope it's going to carry you through the game. You want to have – you want definitely want to spread your influence and have um, wines coming from various regions because – each year they're looking for four different regions and there's a total of nine regions in the game. So you want to have a good spread. Yeah. And I, I like when we're picking, cause you pick your first wine region. Yeah. You get one region for free for at the free. beginning. Yeah. And I picked mine based off of the first weather card. Not yeah. Understanding <laughs> not realizing that, Oh, this is going to change twice before our first yeah. wine presentation. Yeah. And I mean, it was a longer game. 
with four people. It took us about with, four hours, I think. But we, we no more, maybe a bit more. I can see it taking less time though. Once now that we knew the rules, sure. Yeah. No, like, no. Once you, it's a game, once you know it, it goes a bit quicker. Yeah. So, my first playthrough, I felt like the game just suddenly ended. Yeah. Like you got your engine up and running, and then it's done. Yeah. Because your last year is just one set of actions, kind of thing, and then you're doing another wine show right away. Yeah, that was the other kind of thing. Is like there's three years before the first wine show, but then it shortens down each time. So it's like two years till the next wine show, and one year for the last wine show. It's like whoa. Yeah, like I'm you're not just, sure if that makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah. from like a theme. Yeah, but it, it makes a lot of sense in gameplay. Yep. It, like because by, by that point you have your engine completely. Yeah, by going. by the first year you have some kind of engine started, and then you're just refining it a bit. Yeah. With the next ones. Yeah. Um, one thing I didn't mention either is as you're choosing the different regions that you're um, getting vineyards from, each region has a different benefit. So there's one region where if you get a vineyard from that region, you'll get a free seller. Um, or you can get, there's another one to give you free worker. Um, some present better at the some fair. Some present better where you get like bonus points when you're presenting a wine from that particular region. Others were better value for when you're selling for that region, like selling wines in that region. And then there's the one that produced port, yep. which really helped you when you're um, increasing the value of your wine as you're producing it. And then there was one that was really cheap that you couldn't build a seller. That was its only benefit. Yeah, that's right. It, it didn't <laughs> let you build a seller for that particular one, but it's cheap to buy yeah, or get into. Yeah. So there was a few other little things like that. But no, it um, definitely was a good game. Um, and, you know, for, for our first time and, and no one... And that's not fully understanding it at first. You still did really well, and you won. And our points were fairly close. Like, you and I were not Well, too I thought far. you had it. It was close. Yeah. It was very close between you and I. And, and I think there's three Jake points. And Drew were sort of fighting for last place. <laughs> yes, I won. I won that competition. <laughs> but it was only by, like, a point or something, but wasn't again, it? But, again, it was, uh, like, at the two ends, two we were fairly close. Two or three or four, somewhere in there. But. And there wasn't a huge gap between... No, I think the gap between first and last place was about... 15? 14, 15. Yeah, yeah it like was, it was fairly close. Yeah. yeah, And we were all, like, I'd asked at the beginning of the game what we could expect for an average of mm -hmm. points, and Jake had said somewhere, like, in the 60 to 80 range. Yeah. And we were all above 100. Yeah, we all got yes, to remember you, you all were above 100. <laughs> oh, were you just below? I thought you had no grounded. Yeah. No, nope, was, I was under 100. He was, no. like, I think 99 or 98 still, or something. high. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to block it out. <laughs> The pain. It hurts. I lost. I lost both of these games. I came in last in all of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I, apparently, I just don't know how to make wine. <clears throat> well, uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this. Uh, I think the one thing I just felt off about this game was the action selection for me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I would have liked to see the like what you could do with your wine the selling and the shipping aspects right. kind of in sharing opposite corners yeah the way the grid was laid out they put the selling actions right next to each other yeah which isn't like necessarily a fluid thing because if you're like in one area where you're hiring workers and then you want to jump to selling wine you know, then then you're like right next to selling more wine or um what was it or Collecting buying a vineyard or yeah or yeah, buying, buying a vineyard, vineyard. yeah so it's it, I mean, having only played through it once, it's hard yeah. to say it's wrong. Right. I, I just I have this a desire to see the actions kind of broken a little bit up because it's it seemed like when you go to sell wine, 
you're then kind of limited in your next actions. And if you go to buy stuff, you can't then sell the wine. Like it just, it didn't seem to flow properly. No, and, and I, I had a problem with it for similar but slightly different reasons for it. Um, and and we'll, we'll end up talking about this when we talk about viticulture. But um, in, in viticulture, it's it's possible that you can get, you know, like your, your turn order um, benefits. You know, the, the one right. benefit that I really wanted, oh, I, I can't get that because, you know, Jeff, you know, selected first. But I but in viticulture, I never felt um, that I didn't have An a, a decent option. Yeah. You right, know, it might right. not be the optimal one, but I had decent options. Mm-hmm. And um, in, in Vinos, uh, there, were, there was a, a couple of times where I was absolutely trapped right. in, in, that, in that area of the board. And if you, I, you don't know, have the money to spend to move, yeah, your I can't move out. Space. Yeah, and and so there there was actually a round where I could absolutely do nothing. Yeah, I, you had I could to go not to afford the center. To move. And yeah, I could go to the center and then do nothing. Right. Yeah. Because if you're not ready to present, going to the center, you can change your order, but yeah. that's it. And then and the order, yeah. it didn't. I didn't find it overly important. No, the uh, the really. player order did, and that's it. Became a new year, and you're jump. You want to jump to an area like if you, there's an action space that's free, and you don't have any money. You kind of want to go earlier because you want to get to that space before somebody else does. Because if you're late, someone but could go there, and you're just like, I have no money. I can't go there because you're now. forced yeah. to move. I found it actually better to be like second. Yep. When you yep. like when the next turn comes up, you want to be second because then everyone or the first person has to move. So if, if they're you know, in the he space has already, to move, yeah. and they're in the space you want, you go second. If the person's in the space you want is like two players away, you go third. Kind right, of thing. Right. Right. I, I almost felt like like you could. I don't know. You know, like I, I, I might be just completely out to lunch on this, and you know, listeners can correct me. I almost felt like the the better way to handle that was to allow people to just select their their you know whatever action they wanted to take. It just couldn't but, be the same one. Well, or or if it was, I'm I'm fine with. Oh, Jeff's already you know Jeff's already selected that that option. Well, if I want to select it, I now have to pay Jeff money to do it. Right. But you can you know, because select we, we whatever had to you anyway, want. right? Yeah, you, had, yeah. you had to pay that extra money to move into the same square. Just allow people to select the the you know the no, I'd agree with the that. action that they want to do. Just get rid of the grid. Completely. Get rid of the move. Well, well, for I movement mean, options, yeah, for movement, just eliminate this this movement. Right, right. Because like, like I said, I mean, it was a bit you know, funky at, at that point in the game. That was like that was really hard to take. Yeah. when when you are trapped and cannot take an action, yeah, other than. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, happened to, to me. the center. I moved, like, the same thing happened to me where I moved to the center, but I had a wine that I wanted to submit that season anyway, so yeah. it wasn't a complete waste of a turn like it was yeah. for you. But right, right. it is because turn order doesn't matter. When turn order matters is after you've presented your wine at the trade yes. show, and then yeah. you want to be first because yep. then you're picking from those tiles first. Yeah. But every other part of the year it was kind of like well i don't care that i'm first yeah like yeah. i'm trapped here because i'm first and everyone's around me mm-hmm. so right and so, oh apparently it's a wine tasting fair that's oh, what, it, yeah, that's what it's actually fair. called <laughs> so possibly you know after a few more playthroughs and you know if, if i still feel the same way i mean that's that's super easy to house rule just yeah. Say, yeah yeah you know this is how we handle you know this and having to pay selection. a dollar to the bank because the turn markers yeah. on there is kind of weird. Yes. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it, but... it made me go, like, I bought a vineyard first. Yep. Like, 
But you went to the but opposite corner. I went corner to the opposite corner where it was Because the turn marker starts in the space that has to buy a, a vineyard. And um, I don't know if that was a penalty or not because... For it, going, yeah. I mean, the top corner has the build a seller action right next, next to, to it. it yeah. So I guess it's slightly better in the beginning when you need sellers. Because then you're down in the other corner. And so your other choices were either to sell a wine or, or bu- hire workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, farmers and... and which I liked that option. I bought two farms yeah, right away. It's not bad. It's a good option. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, everyone's going towards production. Like they want to buy vineyards or wineries or cellars and stuff at that point. So everyone's moving to those spots. Those Why particular spots. Something yeah. just kind of arbitrarily because it's first turn mm-hmm. that you have to spend a dollar to go to when I can go to it for free the other way. Yeah. And there's no huge benefit of going to the top left corner compared to going to bottom right corner. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, potentially it's it's farther away from you know the, your your second choice of second action. choice of action if you wanted. Which I mean, like, go, like I said, yeah, it could be that if you wanted to build a cellar right away. But yeah. I mean, I bought a vineyard that had a cellar attached to it anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can plan accordingly. Yeah. So, I, yeah, no, I, I agree with Drew in this. It, it, I, I'd probably, after a few playthroughs, if it still felt ch- clunky, just make a house rule of place where you want and pay a dollar to the people who are on uh-huh. it kind of if thing. If someone's on it, yeah. And not have to worry about paying a dollar if it's too away from where you are. Or even for the turn counter, and, Yeah, and get rid of the whole thing, paying a dollar for the turn counter. That seemed that was really dumb, too. Money uh-huh. was really tight in this game. Yeah. Now, maybe that's on purpose. Maybe they want the money to be tight, so that's why they have you pay it. I don't know, but... It wasn't ever tight enough, though, where I was like, I need to sell, like, immediately kind of thing. It was always close, so that you had to think if it was worth moving into someone's space. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that changing it from an extra dollar to move two squares to just place your guy where you want and pay someone who's there is going to change much. It does change the strategy a little bit about where you go in the turn order, but... Like I said, it yeah. turn order didn't really seem to be all that important enough that you would need that move action to be important. Just place and say, I'm doing this and pay whoever's there and go yeah. on with it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That might be probably would be a much better way to do it. I don't know. Well, plus that because I mean, four people in like the next game, Renew Viticulture, they, there's options for if people are going to sell wine this year, there's more than one person can sell wine this year without any penalty yeah there's some people will get a benefit but there's no penalty and it makes sense because if you're selling wine it doesn't impact me Mm -hmm. selling wine in this case it doesn't even make much sense because you're selling to local markets and they already have the limitation that if you sell a quality for white yeah i can't sell a quality for white this year anyways either yeah yeah so there's always a mitigation of everyone doing the same action it seems like a double penalty yep true yeah. Uh, having said that, it's still an excellent game. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It, it's just the one limitation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you started playing it, I I really enjoyed that. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, and we just played what, which is now I guess considered the standard version. So yeah, I wanted to see the yeah. advanced advanced version, version with, with because I enjoyed a whole this economy. It's yeah. like yeah, <laughs> include the economy and see how in depth this gets. And so maybe at some point we can do a revisit where we've um, really like gone full in and and played the advanced version and. Um, who knows? Maybe added more to viticulture and, and see which one we like better. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but on the other hand, it might just turn out to be the 
Panamax of the wine world. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> you like melt your brain. Yeah, it was already, you know, it's already one of those games where there's a lot to think about as it is. So yep. adding more to it would be interesting and not necessarily bad. It'd be good. I think that the standard version, it was a decent learning tool, though. Yeah, like, yeah. For an experienced board game player, we picked it up. It took a couple turns to yep. get kind of everything sorted in your brain on how you're going to do this. And for a first playthrough, I mean, there could be a lot more efficient ways to do sure. it or different strategies or whatnot, whatever. But it was a good learning tool, but I think the economic engine would add something to this. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Okay. So now we're going to go move on to Viticulture. Um, so as I mentioned, it originally was released 2013. Um, there's been a couple of versions since then. There's the like, the ultimate version, and I think the current version that you can get is the uh, in the stores is the essential edition, mm -hmm. and that came out in 2015. So that's already a couple of years old as it is. Uh, designers J Jamie Stegmeyer, who's gained quite a bit of fame, um, especially in the Kickstarter because he. He sort of pioneered. He, he sort of wrote the. He wrote a book. He wrote a book all about using Kickstarter to sell games. Oh. Um, even though nowadays he's sort of gone away from selling games on Kickstarter, I think he's sort of become disillusioned with it. Oh. Well, <laughs> and, and so also, I think he's become disillusioned with how Kickstarter sort of does their business. Oh yeah, well kind of they're thing. they're taking their profit. They're not they're not a charity. Well, right? no, it's not not <laughs> even so much how much profit is just other things I think that he's sort of become disillusioned with. Oh. Okay. But uh he's at, but he is it's true. He's now at the point where he doesn't have to do it. Like Neither. he can he can pre pre sell games on his own site or, or whatever and people will buy them. So he doesn't have to necessarily do the uh the Kickstarter route anymore. Um but Jamie Stegmeyer and Alan Stone. So they're the two um, people who came up with Viticulture, they also are the two who did Euphoria, the following game from uh, Stonemaier Games. Um, and then um, when Tuscany came out, and that's sort of an expansion for uh, for Viticulture. It had a whole bunch of little expansions, actually. Um, a person named Morton Monrad Peterson sort of joined in, and he helped with the Tuscany expansions. And he also helped with the um, the Essentials Edition, which the Essentials Edition is essentially viticulture with a few of the uh, more popular expansions from Tuscany thrown in. Mm -hmm. uh, Jamie's also done Scythe, which was another huge uh, a game that came out in 2016. And he has one this year coming out, um, Charterstone. Um, artists for uh, viticulture, uh, Jackie Davis, David Montgomery, Beth Sobel. Um, obviously, the publisher is Stonemeyer Games, who's always done all his own publishing. Uh, mechanisms, hand management, and worker placement. That's fairly accurate. Yep. yep. Uh, BGG rating. There's a couple different ratings based on the edition. Um, the main edition had a 7.7 .7 out of 6.8 thousand ratings, and the Essentials has 8.2 out of 8.1 thousand ratings. So it, it went up considerably. So that's mm -hmm. pretty good. Um. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's all the stats. Uh, rule book. Now I have now the caveat for all this is I'm working off of a first edition uh, for for everything. So I had the original edition of Viticulture that came out. Then I got Tuscany to upgrade it, and so using those two editions, it's easy enough that we we played the equivalent of the Essentials edition, but then we added in the player board that came the expanded player board that came out of Tuscany and is also available in the Tuscany Essentials edition. So we we essentially played the Essentials edition 
with the added board. Um, with and nothing else added in. There's a few other expansions that are available in Tuscany that you could add in, but we did not. So, looking at the rule books, um, the uh, the rule book is uh, you know fairly nicely laid out, and I don't think it's really changed much between um, the original and essentials. Um, but I could be wrong. But their their rules are are fairly nicely laid out. You know, there's, there's quite a bit of text, but there's also pictures. And it's all laid out pretty clearly. Like, they're, it's a good design rule book, and you can't really complain too much about it. I don't think I've ever... And then once you know the game, there's not a lot of going back to the rule book really new. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a couple times, but just for minor things, especially um, when you're adding the Tuscany stuff in there, just to verify a few things, because it does... Especially when you're using that new uh, board, it does change things up quite a bit from the original viticulture, especially when it comes to selecting turn order and the different seasons. Um, but, you know, once you do that, then you just, it, it's all fairly well explained in the board, in the, uh, in the rule book. So it's not a, it's not a problem. So, no, they're, they're good rule books. Um, like, yeah, I don't, there's nothing really to complain about them in here. They, they do a good job with the rule books. Components, um, again, um, because uh, quite often, you know, it's another game that originates out of Kickstarter. Um, the components tip, typically get upgraded fairly, you know, quite well. Um, my first edition didn't have some of the bells and whistles that came out in, it, in additional editions. But then, um, Stegmeier's um, pretty famous for this. He makes most of the stuff available after the fact. So you might have it exclusive maybe for a little bit, but then then you're going to be able to get it like the metal coins. That was something mm-hmm. that came out of the, uh, upgrades out of, you know, following kickstarters, but then you could get them after the fact. So yeah, I purchased I, mine. Yeah. I purchased mine too. So I got the metal coins, um, all the little upgrades like that. Tuscany. So when they came out with, um, Tuscany, they came up with a little, a bunch of little updates to the first edition board so that you're essentially playing the same game that everyone else is playing. There's a few rule updates too, and they, they explain all the rule updates in Tuscany, so you're not really missing out on anything. Um, but other than that, all the quality is great. You know, everybody has their own little meeples, they're all farmer or whatever the kind of meeples they are, not farmers, but they're, you know, whatever they do, wine workers, I guess. I don't know. They're working on the vineyards. I don't know. Yeah, they're, essentially they're just workers and then yeah. your grand worker. Yeah, and then you also have the grande worker, which was the addition <laughs> that came out in the second uh, version of Viticulture. So the original version didn't have the grande worker, which is just essentially a larger version of the other workers, um, which gets explained during gameplay. Uh, so what the difference is with that worker. Uh, board, you know, is really good quality. Um, in the, uh, the version of... Uh, Viticulture we have, the board is two-sided, the second side just being the same as the first side, except all the text was removed. So it's like you could play without the text, if you're, I guess if you're an expert player, I don't know, if you want to challenge yourself to remember what everything does, I guess. Show your <laughs> prowess at the game. That's right, I'm so good, text. I don't need the text. <laughs> um, everybody gets their own little player mat. Uh, the player mat is cardboard, not the thickest cardboard, So, but again, it's... It's kind of the, the situation where the player mat just sits there and it's not doing anything, so it doesn't have to be thick car- cardboard. So it's thick enough that it, it's not going to um, rip or anything like that, so it's, it's good enough for that. Um, you get uh, other good components you get in there. 
Um, besides your workers, you get these little glass beads, and that's used for keeping track of your grapes and your wines and your cellars. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, you get a bunch of cards too. So there's a bunch of the smaller style cards. Um, there's two seasons. There's um, a summer season and a winter season cards that have they're called visitors. And then there's a a spring um, set of cards, and those are the vines that you can plant in your fields. And then there's the fall cards, which are the contracts for wines that you can try to fulfill for points and for money. So those are the four style, four different types of cards. They're all the smaller. I don't know if you want to call them that. It might be like the American, the American mini size cards. The I bad think. size. The bad my, size. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were quality cards, yeah. but it's that size that is just impossible to shuffle when you have as many. Yeah, when you have a big stack, stack. yeah, it, it makes it hard to shuffle those those little cards. So you have to be creative when you're shuffling them. Um, but yeah, th- that's the those kind of cards. Everybody has a rooster, and that's for determining your player order each year. Um, and then the, everybody has like a little uh, little bottle, and that goes on a little track for determining uh, residuals you get from your wines eventually. And the last thing everybody has is a, I think it's, I think it's supposed to represent a cork, and that's just for keeping track of uh, where you are on the point track. Uh, the goal of the game is to be the first person to get to, in the original game, it was the first person to get to 20 points, and that would signal the end of the game, and then whoever had the most points uh, was the winner um, at the end. Uh, the original game had a limit of 20 points, or 25 points. Um, when they do it with essentials, they got rid of the limit, so they made the, the cutoff point 25 points to, to start the end of the game, but then there was no limit to how many points you could have at the end of the game. So again, whoever had the most points was the winner. Uh, we were playing with the the board out of Tuscany, which was the expanded player board. Um, how the player board is laid out, um, you have a bunch of action spaces on the board. That's where the um, worker placement comes in. And you start with a variable number of workers. Generally, everybody's starting with two workers and their grande worker. Um, and what you're doing is you're using those workers throughout the year. Um, but once you've used that worker, you don't get them back until the end of the year. So uh, what you're doing is you're using your workers throughout the year. Um, but the seasons are going to change. Everyone starts in the spring, and the spring is essentially just choosing your player order or uh, when you're going to wake up. The people who wake up the earliest will get less additional benefits throughout the year, like or, or yeah, less additional benefits um, based on your player order. Um, and, but if you wake up later, you, you'll get some little extra things, like usually cards or something like that. Um, so you start out in this, you start, the spring is just all about choosing your player order. Then you go to the summer. The summer is using various action spaces at the beginning um, on the on the left side of the board for um, doing things like gaining additional vine cards that you'll be planting into fields, um, giving tours of your winery to get money, building structures, building structures to um, and there's various structures on your player board that give you different benefits. Wasn't that spring in Tuscany? In in the original version, oh, the it original was, version, um, was it was all only in spring ah, okay. or sp- summer. Actually, it was all summer. Yeah, they just had summer and winter in the original. Yeah, summer and yeah. winter were the action spaces in okay. the original. And the last one is is um, essentially doing influence. 
putting your stars out on the oh oh um in the new in the in expanded the board yeah that's why i was confused yeah. talking about the like original yeah i was sort of describing the original and then adding in what's a little bit different from the uh, tuscany version so in the original the spaces are um playing summer cards drawing vine cards giving tours for money um selling grapes was an option originally planting That's your right. fields and building structures those are the options you had in the summer and then what the tuscany board does is it sort of splits that up a bit so that you can give a tour draw cards and build structures in the spring um, but there's also a space for influence now on the tuscany board in the bottom corner is a sort of a map of the region and it has all the various provinces that are around each province has a couple things on it um, usually a bonus of like a card or points or money that you'll get by putting one of your influence stars on there and so you'll everybody will have like six stars that they can get that they can place on there and it also have some points that you can get at the end of the game if you have the most stars in a particular region so one of the action spaces in spring is to place one of your stars on that region and if you're the and one one this one thing this game has is there's usually up to three spaces you can place a worker, depending on the number of players. If it's three to four players, you're only using two spaces. If it's five or six, you're using all three. Uh, and typically, the middle space will have some kind of bonus for using it. Um, so if you're playing a yellow card, one of the summer visitors, if you use the middle space, you'll get to play two cards instead of just the one. Or if you're pulling cards, if you have the middle space, you'll get to pull two cards. So there's usually a, some kind of bonus you can get if you can get into the middle space. Um, in the Tuscany board, as I said, spring and summer are sort of split up. So a few of those actions were in spring. Then in summer, the actions were playing, um, playing cards. Instead of selling grapes, they changed it um, to trading. And so what you could do is you could trade a couple cards for three points a couple cards to get um, some grapes, either red or yellow, at one you know, one value. Um, and the last thing you could trade for was... What was the last cards? thing? Cards? Did you say cards? I said cards. So you could... Cards, victory points, money, and grapes. Yeah, I think you maybe missed the money part. Oh, the money, yeah, that's right. You could trade cards for, I think it was three lira? Uh, three lira, that's right. Yeah. So uh, you could trade cards... For a point, for a grape, or three lira, and it can go backwards too. So you could trade a grape for a couple cards and and whatnot. So however you want to do your trading, there's a spot for doing trading. Um, so yeah, that uh, that was one of the new ones that they added to summer. Then fall and winter were sort of split up into two different area um, phases as well. But in the original game, it was just winter that you would place workers, and in winter you would place workers to uh, draw wine um, contracts, those cards. You could um, train additional workers. That's how you get it, more workers. So you start with two usually and a grande worker. Well, there's a spot where you could train to get another worker for the uh, next year. You could make wines. You could harvest your fields, or you could also make wines out of grapes that you've harvested. Um, you could play winter visitor cards, and you could... Uh, fill wine orders so that's what the different spaces were in winter in the original game and then they basically just split that up for um, 
the Tuscany board so that half of those were for fall and half of them were for winter. Um, so yeah, you're, you're spreading your workers out throughout the whole year to get different benefits. Um, starting at the beginning, uh, when you're choosing your your player order in spring, um, there's a couple spots um, that are different. So how the original game worked, one person started as the first player and they got to choose first where they were on the track. In the new version of the game with this board, um, well, yeah, one person will choose first um, where they're going to be, anywhere from one to seven, but the one space can't be chosen. The only way to be, be you know, to get the one space is if you chose the seven space, the very last space in the previous year, then you automatically have to be first the next year. And being first means you get no benefits throughout the year um, for your player order other than going, getting to go first. Uh, the different benefits you can get, um, going second, um, in the summer you would get an, a lira when it's your when it's your turn. And how, how these things happen is the first person to pass, or whenever you pass, you move along the track. So everyone starts in spring, First, per, whenever you pass, you move to the summer track, and you wait till everyone's moved to the summer track. But as soon as you move to the summer track, you'll get a bonus if there's one in your column. So like in summer, um, whoever's on the second spot gets a lira, whoever's on third spot gets a vine card, and there's various other cards um, up until the seventh spot where you get like a temporary worker, a free temporary worker. Um, and then once everyone's passed into fall, everyone also gets a bonus in the fall column. Um, but if you're, if you're in the second spot, you get nothing. So you only get a, so the earlier you go, the less rewards you'll get for each particular season. But then as you go down the track, you know, you'll get various cards. People get various cards and then, going into winter only the last few spots will get a bonus going into winter so as you pass in the game and go into each season you, you could potentially get additional bonuses um, everybody has a player board it has three fields on it each um, with the with the essentials edition each field has a value so um, one field is value five one six and one seven and that's the when you're planting vines, that's the total value of all the grapes that are in that particular field can't exceed the value of the field. Um, but you can also, throughout the game, um, sell one of the fields if you want to make some quick money. So the five value field will get you five coins if you sell it. The seven will get you seven. It'll flip over. And then there's a potential to buy that field back later. But then you'll have to spend not the same as what you you what you got for selling it it could be more or less depending it was reversed to the five it was reversed. Was seven to buy back and the seven was five to exactly buy back. yeah so the seven only cost five to get back but yeah the cheap one costs more to get back which i don't know if that makes sense but whatever <laughs> it, it i guess balances out in some way but you have your three fields you can plant grapes onto those fields and then when you harvest when you do a harvest action you're typically harvesting at least one of those fields and if you get the bonus you can harvest two of your fields and what you do is you add up all the grapes that are on a field when you do the harvest and add a token to your grapes area on the appropriate number. So if, say, you had three white and two red on a field, you'd get a two um, red token and a three white token on your barrels for your grapes. 
Um, so that's how you get various grapes. Then when you do a crush grapes or a make wine action, you're taking your grapes and moving them over to the wine cellars. And the wine cellars have three different, actually four different tracks, but certain one, certain types of wines ha- require larger cellars for you to use. So your basic wine cellar lets you have whites and reds in it, and that's it. And starting at value four, going up to value six. Um, to get anything bigger, you have to have the bigger cellars. So on your board, there's various things you can upgrade. Your cellar can be upgraded twice, to a medium and then to a large. As soon as you have a medium cellar, you're, you can have larger value whites and reds, but then you can also start making blushes by combining white and red grapes as you make them. And then as you get a large cellar, you can also start making champagnes by combining, I think it's two reds with a white uh, grapes to make a champagne of equivalent, you know, whatever your grapes add up to, to make that champagne value. There's also, you can build a trellis on your field, um, on your board. You can build a irrigation system. You can build a tasting uh, building, uh, a cottage, a, a yoke, and a windmill. Windmill, that's right. And the different things you build will give you different benefits as you play the game. Uh, certain grapes to be planted in your fields might have requirements. Uh, basic grapes usually have no requirements and they can go in the field no problem. Um, when you start getting to more advanced grapes, they'll either require uh, trellis or um, irrigation or sometimes both. So you'll have to eventually build those buildings if you want to plant some of those more advanced grapes. Uh, the yoke on your field gives you an, a special action space that you can put one of your um, people on to harvest or dig up a field that no one else can use. So if you ever find that you're blocked out of harvesting a field um, on the main player board, you can always do it on your own. And it also um, lets you do these things out of um, year order as well. So you could harvest a field during spring where you normally couldn't by opening up and buying a uh, yoke. Uh, by having the tasting area uh, for tours, you'll get in the, whenever you do a tour on the main board, you'll get like a victory point by having that building built. A windmill will give you a victory point whenever you plant a, a field, plant a grape vine in a field. So that's nice to have as well. And lastly, the um, the cottage, it gives you the benefit of whenever you go into fall of choosing um, a visitor card of your choice, either summer or winter, and getting an extra card. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's what all the different uh, buildings do. Um. Yeah, so as you're going through, you're collecting your grapes, you're planting your fields, you're collecting your grapes, and you're making your wines. At the end of every year, any grapes you have and any wines you have will age, so they'll go up on their respective tracks. If you don't have the big enough cellar, then your your grapes won't age past the size of cellar you have. So you won't lose your grapes, they just won't get any more valuable um, if you can't move them up. Um, as you get wine contracts... The various contracts will require various types of wines um, for you to get so many points. And that's really where you start getting a lot of points is by filling these wine contracts. And they also allow you to move up on this residuals track. And there's a little little uh, wheel that has um, numbers one through five. And then as soon as you finish your first wine track or wine sale, um, you'll, you'll typically go up one, maybe two on that 
residuals track. And then at the end of every year, based on where you are on that track, you'll gain some money just, just for being on there. So it's a good way to get some extra cash at the beginning, especially at the beginning of the game. Usually by the end of the game, you'll usually be so flush with cash, you're, it's not a problem. But early in the game, money tends to be a bit tighter. So getting those residuals can really help. And as you're going through the game, I mentioned there's different visitor cards you can get. There's the summer visitors and the winter visitors. And they'll typically give you some really different benefits. Um, some of them could be um, plant a field for free or um, you could build a particular type of building at a discount um, if you don't want to rehab it, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of the visitors can really make a huge difference, um, especially in the winter. We yeah, found the that winter the winter visitors were really good, really powerful. The winter winter visitors, yeah. Well, especially the um, what was the, the the additional cards we added? The yeah. advanced ones, the advanced yeah. ones. Because um, holy cow, some of those were were I don't know. Like I like the, well, I the one my... that stuck stuck out in my mind was uh, I, um, I I was able to move. From having one one lira residual all the way to five, yeah, yeah. in one go. That Just, that was that was big for you. Yeah. yeah, that was huge. And I got my upgraded sellers for essentially free off of those. Like I I spent two yep. lira for both upgrades. Yep. I, well, it cost me a victory point, I guess as well. Yeah, you had to spend a victory but point on one of them. I got both sellers really early and was able to produce very good wines mm-hmm. early. So. I, I had one that was not quite as good as that, but it wasn't bad. I, I got to build two buildings of my choice for eight lira and so i decided to build both sellers because normally that'd be 10 lira so i got like a two lira discount for both sellers not a huge discount but it was better than nothing and let me do it quickly so that was good um so yeah that's what the winter visitors they they can be pretty powerful and they have a lot of different abilities um the tuscany set gave us like new visitors um that we added in and advanced versions of um, original visitors so i think what part of the thinking was some of the original visitors late game don't give you much like they're not really worth it anymore so they made advanced versions of them as well and one thing you can do is if you really want to is you can go through and remove the original versions and just have the advanced but we just sort of left everything as one big jumble um i also have what was a special um release that they did called the more the more more um, visitors expansion yeah more visitors expansion and that was actually a, a release that was produced by a few prominent board game designers, one being Uwe Rosenberg. Uwe Rosenberg. Yeah. And Jamie Stegmaier and... Was it Alan Stone? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yep. basically the two main designers plus <clears throat> Uwe Rosenberg um, uh, produced some additional visitors that were added into the game, which had some interesting um, interesting effects. But Did we play with those? We did play with yep, them. Okay. They were in there. But we may not have, maybe we, we didn't run into them, them, or maybe we just didn't. Um, I just no, didn't I think we recognized them. one. There was one that seemed a bit weird. Yeah, that came out in our in our hands that we saw that was from that because we had to look up a rule for it. We had to double it check. Was, something. Yeah, it was the one that you brought out where you're asking. Uh, what was it? Was it a? Um, I do bit, remember that doing now. wines. It said something about you oh, could yeah, produce can, any wine. Yes. Oh, any, yeah, you could produce any any number of, of any wines. wines. And we Under, weren't from sure grapes. if yeah. it meant yeah. that you could use, like, whites to or, make or any you, type. Yeah. Or, yeah, or if you could combine your whites to make a bigger white, where normally you can't do that. And no, it didn't really talk. It, it wasn't meant to be used that way. It just meant if you have grapes, you can make you can turn and all your grapes into wines normally using the standard rules for making wines. Yeah. So it gave you, like, as many actions as you had grapes to make to, wines to make wines where Instead normally having... you're limited to 
I think it's two. One, uh, two normally press. to make a one, and then a third if you have that special. Yeah, the action. special bonus yeah. square. So it was it was still quite powerful. It was. So it was, I, yeah. I don't have that expansion, but I understand that there there is a couple reprints in there as well. Uh, potentially, I don't remember exactly. Okay. There might have been a couple replacements in there. Yeah. You're right. I think they corrected some text for a from an cards. older card. Yeah, yeah. get clearer or something, or or just yeah, reprints for the original game. Yeah, you're saying. Um, like they included reprints for something. Yeah, like in the there, there was. Game a, I think there was. A, there was a couple of visitor cards. They. I, I don't know whether they were either correcting or clarifying, but they right. were. They were replacements for for existing cards. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh. So we had the more visitor cards in there. Um. Because we we're playing as close to the essentials editions as we could, we were using the mamas and papas. Um, from the Tuscany box, um, which is standard in the the new Viticulture Essentials, and what the mamas and papas do is they give you like a variable starting, um, uh-huh. so everyone's not necessarily starting the same. So everybody is starting with uh, the mamas and papas were pretty much universal in that you started with two workers and a grande worker, but then there was uh, different cards that di- that people would start with based on the mama card, and based on the papa card, there could be different buildings that you might start with. Or additional lira, you'd usually have a choice. And and the starting amount was different too. The starting they, was yeah, of lira that of you lira. started with. That's right. So it was a little bit variable that way. So not everybody was necessarily starting on the same footing based on these mamas and papa cards, but they weren't so far out that. No, no, I like the, the start like yeah. that. It, it wasn't so far out that anyone had seemed to have a huge advantage at the beginning. Yeah, I didn't feel it was lopsided at the no. beginning. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about yet is the grande worker. Um, as, as I mentioned, each uh, location has between one and three spaces that you can go to depending on the number of players. Um, and once the space is used up, no one else can go to that space. So in a three-player game like we were playing, two spaces are available at each location. Once those two are filled, you can't go there. The Grande Worker sort of breaks that rule and lets you go anywhere you want to get its action. You just don't get any bonuses. So if if I wanted to play winter visitor cards and both winter visitor spaces are in use, I can put my winter or my my grande worker there anyways and play a winter card. I just don't get the bonus of the extra card unless I was playing that grande worker like a regular worker uh-huh. and that space was available. Then I could play it on that space and still get the bonus. It's just if I'm using my grande worker to use a blocked area, I just use it normally. That's what the Grande Worker's special ability is. Which can be important early, yep. like planting oh, yeah. your grapes and stuff. So I see why they added it. Because if you don't get your economic engine working early, it just... And that was a big thing. Like in the first edition of the game, they didn't have the Grande Worker at all. And so it was very common to get blocked out of areas. And, and like You could be like year three and still just planting because of yeah. turn order. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also... Uh, one of the changes they made between the first and second editions was in the first edition it used to be that there was the friendly rule, which was you could not block a space if you couldn't take advantage of it. So if you say wanted to play a su- play summer visitors, um, the the bonus space in the summer visitors area is to play a second summer visitor card. So you couldn't go to that space if you didn't have a second summer visitor to play. Um, they got rid of that rule. I think they wanted to make it more competitive. So they got rid of that rule going into the second edition and into the Tuscany versions and all that, saying that, yeah, you could go to a, an area even if you weren't taking advantage of the bonus. Which makes sense. Yeah, sure. it makes it a bit more competitive and 
it lets you block it from other people so that they're not, you know. You know, even even having said that, I mean, I, I still never felt starved for an option. No, no, no. I don't think it was ever hurting that, oh, man, I, no. I wish I... I don't think anyone ever really took a space and didn't use a bonus anyways. Like, I don't think there was a, a spot where someone took the bonus and said, oh, I didn't have a second one to play. No, because usually yeah, when I was yeah. coming up to, like, the next season, I'm planning for it, especially if I'm going to be first action in the season. Yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, I want to play an extra visitor card. I so made sure I had, too. I wasn't worried yeah. about blocking you guys. Yeah, exactly. about... it, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a <coughs> risk, too. Do, do I do I want to play, uh, you know, to, to potentially block somebody, or do yeah. I want to play the Maximize best option points. for me? Yeah, yeah you're not usually you know, thinking about blocking people. Yeah. You're thinking about getting your best selections out. Yeah, know? if it happens to line up, Great. Okay, but yeah. yeah, I don't remember ever thinking I was going to do that intentionally. Yeah, no, it's no. just that's a waste of my effort. You have such yeah. limited amount of workers. Yeah. You, you really just trying to optimize. Yeah, which is probably why they got rid of the rule because probably may, yeah. maybe in a larger player game where you have no options and you yeah. don't want to pass and you want to starve someone else of something, it might maybe come in, but. Yeah. Even still, you're still looking at, well, if I pass, I have more options in the next season. I, I think yeah. it would be worse in, in, in a game with more players. Like, it, it it's already going to be competitive among the, yeah. the maximum number of players. You can't – I just feel like you can't really waste your time yeah. on blocking people. <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. But – no, I think if you played that way, you're you're playing for last. Yeah. You're, you're not worried about <laughs> yeah. winning. You're playing just, spoiler. You're just yeah. 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 Um, uh, but that's essentially the game. Uh, the the difference with the Tuscany board um, that we didn't talk about is that in the area influence er- uh, thing, um, there's a few areas in the board that let you place your your influence markers on it. And like as I mentioned before, as you're placing your influence markers, you get the little bonuses. Um, but there's also areas you could also move your influence around too. So if you're trying, if you find that somebody is gaining control of one area. You can move your influence markers away from it to try to shore up your influence somewhere else to get the points at the end of the game. Because once the game's end game is triggered, as soon as somebody hits that 25 point mark, um, you finish off the year and then you look at the uh, little area map and figure out additional points there as well. And any other potential additional points you might get, say, from lingering visitors cards that you might have that give you points at the end of the game or negative points or negative points <laughs> that, there's a, that was a possibility too um but yeah you determine all your your final victory points and whoever has the most victory points is the winner and uh, so that's that's essentially how you play viticulture with the little bit of additions that we had from using the expanded tuscany board uh the expanded tuscany board is also double-sided and the second side of that is if you're using um has some special things on it if you're using structures which is another expansion within Tuscany um, that lets, gives you more options for adding spe- special structures to your to your um, plantation or whatever. And we didn't even look at that, so I, I can't talk about what it does. But there's uh, growing growing and harvesting fruit and well, that, that's a whole different board too. That's like yeah, that's an add-on yeah, to the. Yeah, that's even more add-ons. There, yeah. There's so much in there. And those add-ons, there's a few add-ons that they got rid of when they came out with the Tuscany Essentials Edition. So, like, the ones where you're doing cheese and fruit, those don't exist anymore. So, they just got rid of them totally. Weren't um, tracking well enough? With- I guess not. Maybe people didn't enjoy them. Maybe they were adding too much to the game and slowing it down too much and bogging it, maybe. Maybe. I could see that. Um, this is, you're adding so much uh-huh. more to a winemaking game that maybe it's just... Starts to lose the feel of a winemaking game. Yeah. Oh, now I'm into cheese too, and cider, and you want some apple with your cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Actually, the apples and cheese were different sides of the board, so you couldn't do both. Yeah, it was like orchards and cheese. Orchards or cheese. Because there was yeah. like apples and something else. Yeah. Next would be cured meats and building an entire charcuterie Well, there was board. like a whole cow area or something, but that might have yeah. been for the cheese. I think that was for, no, yeah, that was that was for the cheese. cheese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. true. Um, but yeah, so that, that's a video culture. So it's very much a it, – it, this is totally a worker placement game. Whereas mm-hmm. so the other one mentions worker placements. Like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. sure, there's a worker maybe placement. Maybe if you consider my, the barrel placement. Uh, my, maybe. My, my meeple is on the board. Yeah. There, therefore, it is placement. Yeah, no, uh, this yeah. is a true worker yeah. placement game. So – um, there's no you know, nitpicking about that. And there's some area control if you're playing the expanded board, whereas the standard viticulture board has no area control. It's all just strictly worker placement and hand management because you have the most you can have in your hand for any for cards or seven cards at the end of the year, so you have to discard down if you're above that. But I don't um, think that was ever It never really – it came me. close, I think, to me. I, I, there was one point where I was going to be over seven, but I was able to play a couple cards yeah. and get under. And yeah. you didn't ever have to discard, did you, Drew? Uh, no. There, yeah. uh, like Randall, there there was a couple seasons where – or a couple years where I, I would have had to. But um, seeing that I had excess cards in my hand, I looked for opportunities to, to get, use yeah. them. To trade them or play or, them. Or, or to play them. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, there there are times when when you can cycle a few cards out of your hand very yeah. quickly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it, there were times where I had like you you sometimes you're pulling vines to see if you can get something decent to to plant, and I just got crap vines. Like mm-hmm. you know, like oh, I get a one point vine. It's like uh, yep. I'm not gonna, I don't want to plant this. But you know, so if I got over seven, I know what I'm discarding. Yeah. Where but I got those, very few vines throughout the game. Yeah, and played them all because they were decent quality yeah. so it was yeah, yeah. it went pretty well for me there yeah i, I know I, there's a few times where i got some vines where it's like i don't really want to plant these but then those also become good fodder on this particular board for trading so you could take well, those I was just gonna say, point or something it, well especially yeah. if you get the um the, the plus one spot right right yeah so you, you can actually rotate three cards out of your hand four or four or sorry four, four, four cards, yeah, four out, cards out of your hand yeah, if you really wanted to yeah and it, you can trade and it pick up two victory points. victory points or the advent or the sorry the visitor's if you're yep. going to gamble on whether they can help you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, or like I said, if, you, if you're getting, you know, crap cards, you can rotate those out for different cards. Yeah, yeah. That's so right. So you could, yeah, trade two you cards for two new cards. You need a vine and you don't use this vine. You yeah. trade it out for a different vine and yeah. hope you get better. So that trading spot that's on this expanded board is really actually quite handy. Mm-hmm. Um, it got used a couple of times at least. I don't know. I didn't pay that much attention. Yeah, I didn't use it to um, buy grapes, but... yeah. I, I did trade it out for um, for victory points. Yeah, there's a couple of times I think you yeah. did that. Yeah, so it's another good way to get some extra victory points, just because victory points they did, they tend to go a bit slow at first, but then as people start filling the wine orders, they really start jumping. Yeah, so you have to be quick. Well, it can be it can be handy even in in the early game because there there are a couple of those cards where you can sacrifice a victory point to do something. Yeah, yeah. So you know you don't re- you don't really want to go into negative numbers. So if you can, early, like, but... slough two cards for victory point because you know you have a card to play that's, right. that's going to yep. give you a huge advantage, yep. do it. Yeah. Right. And the board is set up in such a way, like, the, the victory point track that you can go up to, like, negative five victory points if you had to. You don't want to, but you can. Um, so they, they, they take that into account. They know that, as whereas a lot of games, there are a lot of games out there where the victory point tracks don't take into account negative points. Because you could be on, there are some games where there are, it is possible to lose points and you'll be on the zero and there's nowhere to go. Yeah. 
it's like I can't go to 99 you pretty much have to just to keep track that you're whatever but it's annoying and so it's nice that they took that mm-hmm. into account they know people are going, potentially going to lose victory points in this game so we'll put up to negative five a little easier though because their winning mechanic is based off of victory points where a lot of modern games now it's like their victory point wraps around the entire board because yeah, that's they're right. expecting you get up to 100 or 150 points and there's not enough room yeah this one the, the whole end game is as soon as somebody hits yeah. a certain amount of victory points that triggers the end of the game yeah. so it, yeah it is important and it makes it more mean it makes it mean something yes whereas you're just oh yeah this is the victory point track and eventually we'll know where we're where well we it also makes it. it a little more of a race and that yeah. you can see exactly where someone is and you can yeah. start to guess it's i'm gonna have two more turns so i better kick I better into gear my victory or, point collection like in our game it's like I'm, we're both we're, we're at the very close to the end of that track is like uh, do i trigger it now or not do i do mm-hmm. i try to go through another year but then I'm looking at it because I triggered the end of the game because I'm looking. I know Jeff, who's also up there, is like has two more meeples left. And so if I don't trigger the end of the game, he might trigger the end of the game. And maybe I won't get to do what I want to do with my last meeple. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're burning your brain trying to think. Yeah, oh, is, is now the time. Is now the yeah. time. And I took that chance. I ended up not winning, but... Yeah. Otherwise, I don't. I don't know. Maybe it. Maybe it would have won another year, and maybe I would have had a chance. But it's hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the biggest difference for this game for me, it felt more like a farming game than a winemaking game. Like the true. I mean, yeah. you spend more time trying to get your production up and running, yeah. and then fulfilling wine contracts. That the wine contracts kind of, you're not so worried about quality as you are fulfilling a specific wine contract right well it does but it does feel like you're actually building something yes though, it does it feels like you're building a farm yeah because in the first few years or first yeah first few years you may not build any make any wine at all it's more about you know okay i'm gonna start planting but i may not even harvest this year right because i'm, I'm trying to get other things set up so and that maybe the you know, you're going to buy be like a specific yeah. structure to get victory points yeah. when you do do something or, or just to get your engine going because uh, I, I had at least two vines that required structures. Yeah, you, you right. can't you can't even plant these vines without a you know without a trellis, a, a trellis or, or an irrigation. Yeah. Those, those are usually the two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all of mine required a structure. <laughs> yeah, too, so so yeah, that's a big thing is making sure you have the appropriate structures in place so that you can start planting your vines if you need to. Where like the original game, um, and this is going. With, I'm not sure if it's so much the expanded board or if it's the Mamas and Papas that changed things. I think it's the Mamas and Papas that really yeah. changed things up. Because in the in the basic game, before the Mamas and Papas, everybody started with a Pinot card. So everyone had like one grape that I think you're able to... Yeah, you're able to plant right away. Because um, I don't believe it required a structure. Um, so in this version, there's no guarantee you're going to start with grapes because based on your mama, you may not. You may start with certain visitors, instead. which I uh-huh. didn't. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't start with grapes. I don't think I started with any grapes either. Did I you? did. Yep, you did. Okay, so one of us started with grapes, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. but it but, required structures. But it required two structures. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. So, yeah. and then based on your papa card, um, I think I started with my windmill. So, which was nice because then every time I planted grapes. I was able to uh, get a point. Yeah, which was which was handy. Yeah, I started with my yoke, 
which because I couldn't plant my grapes, it's useless. <laughs> it's pretty much useless. Yeah, the yolk but, is one of those weird things that it could be a beneficial yeah. thing, but it's it's definitely I, not required. Yeah, I built mine, but I never used it. I, yeah, I, I built mine too. I tend to grab like if the mamas and papas offers it, I tend to grab structure yeah. rather than over else. over lira. Yeah, yeah. Well, because you're not necessarily going to get the space on any particular year to build a structure. That's and right. the Lyra does you no good if you can't build anyways. So yeah. it, it does always seem worthwhile. And sometimes the cards didn't even give you the full value for the building. Yeah. So you could take the structure or it was like a It'd gold be a bit cheaper. Less. Yeah, it's right. It's like, for me, I think the, the, the windmill is, I think, a five gold piece or a five Lyra yeah, yeah. building. But then if I didn't take the, the windmill, I would have gotten four Lyra. So it's like, well, it's a bit of a discount. I, it's better to get the windmill. Uh-huh. And really, yeah, the money is mostly for either building structures or um, re- training new workers. Those are the two main things you use yeah. money for. There might be other things as well, but those that's essentially the main thing you do with them. And I got away well, without a lot of money because yeah. I got my main important structures for essentially free. Yeah. And I didn't really produce my workers <laughs> as quickly uh-huh. as you guys did. So I kind of spread that out a little. Mm-hmm. And then when the space was available to me, I then started producing my workers. Yeah, you you kind of screwed me over that way. I, I had a card ready to go that would have given me um, victory points if if the other players had all got six workers. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I don't that, think I ever did. There, there was a, there, I think maybe there was maybe twice where I, I – so, Jeff, you, how many workers you got there? <laughs> and, and you're like – Oh, I, I don't have six yet. Uh, so finally, I ended up just getting rid of the card because you wouldn't get, get your last your guy working. Yeah, I never did get all of mine. Those lazy <laughs> I got all mine. workers are all yeah. slacking yeah. off. Yeah, exactly. But you know, but um, you know, the same thing there is. I mean, you know, you, get, you got this excess of cash, and the, and you just use that that um, you know trade option and just turn your raw cash into victory points. Yeah, yeah. I mean. So mm-hmm. no, true, yeah. So, but yeah. Anyways, um, so yeah, viticulture. I really do like viticulture. I played it a ton um, with the original rules, and you know, now that I have played with this expanded board, I'll I, I kind of say unless unless I'm teaching somebody really new and somebody who's not all that familiar with board games, then I might go back to the original. But even then, like the expanded board doesn't add so much that it wouldn't be easy enough to make them understand oh, it was my first time and yeah well, yeah an experienced gamer but yeah it, it it wasn't so difficult i think it might actually be easier with the season split up into four as long as a person understands that you're you can only use your you workers. Can only use your workers uh-huh. you only have so many workers throughout the whole year yeah and yeah. once you pass spring you can't do spring anymore and once you pass summer so on and right. so on but i having all of the actions in two seasons might actually be a little more overwhelming Maybe. Yeah, because there's too much you can do in one season. Yeah, so what, what's yeah. most important as a new player, you might not know where this kind of breaks it up, where this is where you're going to try and get the things to plant, and then right. you're going to plant them, and then you're going to see what people want for contracts, and then you're going to sell. Yeah. So it, in that way, it actually does seem easier, even though there's more steps. True, yeah. And I like how the whole, because um, in the original game, you have the start player, and they're the first person who gets to choose on, you know, where they're going to go on the action track, like on the wake-up chart. Um, and then in the original game, it would pass counterclockwise, and then that person would be the first person to choose in the wake-up chart when they're going to go. And, and that wake-up chart is really when you how you determine what order people go in. Mm-hmm. Um, in this version, um, once you've, you know, after the first round, once you determine 
who um, who's going and you know waking up at what time. Um, the first person, you know, each, each season as you pass, you get a benefit usually, or maybe no benefit, but whatever. You're moving along to each season to season. The first person to pass in winter um, goes through and does all their finishing stuff for the year, and they're the first ones who get to choose what time they're going to wake up in the next year. So that's very different instead of doing this whole where you're passing the token around kind of thing. Uh-huh. And I like that. Um, I did too. Yeah. yeah that, I thought that was a really good mechanic. It's a good way of, of, of really randomizing. So you you choose when you're going to pass and get out of winter and what order you're going to go in the next round. It also added a nice element because when you pass for the final time, all of your meeple came off the board. Yeah, so all the actually... workers came off, which opened up. I mean, you can yeah. only play in winter, yeah. but it really opened up options. So if you go too early, you could open up some really good space. Suddenly. Which happened in the last turn too, because mm-hmm. I ended up passing. Being, I had no choice; I had to pass, opening up spaces that you could go, which allowed me to win. Allowed you to win, gave sell, me a really sell good wine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, I, I think guess... the the one thing about just as a closing comment on that yeah. game that the the wake up order and i think this is only a problem because we played three players right was yeah. the one space and it was space number 5, five. The f- was the fifth space exceptionally <laughs> good yeah like, compared an, to everything else but if you have good cards you get winter you get a cards, lot of winter cards you get a lot of yeah. winter cards you got two winter visitors or two summer visitors but you got at least one of each visitor type right. and then one of your choice yeah so that fifth spot was really handy and an yeah. influence at the end if I remember correctly, um, and, oh, in I winter. think you're right. Yeah, you get right. to play, place an influence on which the, uh, again could be a fourth card. Yeah, or yeah, or money or, money or, or victory point. victory point. Like, but depending was, on what region you place. Yeah, in. yeah, yeah. So I mean, that fifth spot was. It really seemed handy. a little yeah. unbalanced for three players. I think it would be fine in more with more know, people. It, it wasn't too bad because I, I I know you two fought over five a little bit there. There's yeah. a little bit jockeying for that, which which really just opened up a, a ton of possibilities for me. If I know you guys are are kind of focused on that, you just you know change yeah. your strategy up a little bit and go after the things that you guys aren't going after. Well, especially True. if you need those I mean, early spaces, like the the yeah. first move can be so valuable in this. It game. can be yeah. like turn order does matter in this one. Mm-hmm. Getting that r- important bonus that's yeah. going to make or break this turn for you. Yeah. Where if you go second, it might not be there. Is it, it is important in this yeah. one? So I mean, ultimately, it it didn't work out for me because uh, I lost again. But <laughs> but a more competent player might be able to take advantage <laughs> of the fact that you guys were were fighting over resources over the fifth wake up spot. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, let's move on to um, judgments. Um, yeah, both excellent games, um, but mm-hmm. also very different. You know, but they both gave you the feeling of. Of you know you're you're making your wines but you're doing different things with them. One you're 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 trying to win at the wine tasting to get the most points, but the other one you're trying to you know make different wines to fulfill contracts. And that's why I think viticulture this feels more like a wine making game to me. Because, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm I'm planting my fields, I'm harvesting the fields, I'm you know making the wines and combining the grapes to make different types of wines. And then you know I'm seeing what's what people want, and then I'm selling them. So to me, it, 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 I think it fulfills the whole theme a little bit better. The other one is an excellent game, like Vinos is, is a fantastic game. Um, but I just think that the whole theme gets lost a bit in the mechanics. Um, yeah, there you are, you are trying to make a really good wine so that you show well in the wine tasting. 
and all that. But then in the end, really what the wine tasting is all about is just getting points. Um, so it, it almost feels a bit mechanical in that way. Um, yeah, so I, for I, me, I, I think my preference is viticulture. I, I think that the themes came out well in both. I, yep. I think like the the theme in Vinos is is not uh, is just not the same. It's you're you're producing right. a wine specifically for a, you know wine competition. Yeah, you know your um, you know your your wine label is going to be very prestigious if you you know you go into these competitions. Whereas with viticulture, it's yeah, it's I mean it's like this grass to table kind yeah, of you yeah. know producing wine to right. fulfill orders um but i i just felt so i think the execution of theme was was done very well in both it's mm-hmm. just that i really prefer the theme in viticulture more right yeah and I, um, I think that i'm right there with you that that's pretty much how i would have described both games one mm-hmm. you're trying to produce a quality wine mm-hmm. and it seems like there's some mechanics tacked on like the selling of it and stuff that just it, it was you, a way to you, generate money. Yeah, yeah. Are you generating wine or are you trying to produce a really good wine? Uh-huh. It was a little lost there. but Yeah, because you're either trying to get money or you're trying to get points. Yeah, that's what I meant with yeah. viticulture. Is it's like you're farming. Yeah. yeah. It, it really is about the quality of your farm. Uh-huh. You're yes. not buying yeah. a bunch of farms from different regions and right. red and white kind of stuff. You're planting the vines you want, uh-huh. and you don't have to necessarily worry about diversification in different right. regions and stuff. Yeah. And it is kind of start to finish your entire thing. And it did, like I said, I didn't really care so much about that I was producing wine in this game. Right. But I'm not a wine person, so yeah, maybe sure. that's just whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I could have been producing chocolate or something and just <laughs> have the same process. And I still enjoyed that. Yeah. Like that, I, I'd say definitely viticulture for me as well yeah. overall. Um, and, yeah, and by the way, Stegmar and, and Rosenberg, that was our idea of doing a game with chocolate. chocolate so, yes. <laughs> hands off. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, just I, keep you know. just keep cranking out farming games, guys. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I'm sure, you know I wouldn't be surprised if it's already out there. If we oh, know, I'm like, sure the chocolateers or whatever. I'm sure it's out there. Somewhere. Well, then they owe us some money. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Um, um, our winner this week. Or well, this, I don't know. This episode. I thought, what? What? We could probably talk some more. about Oh no, that. we can definitely talk about it. <laughs> Viticulture is the winner, but we can definitely talk about yeah. it. Um, well, then, no, that's all just denouement now. <laughs> it's all spoiled. Yeah. It's, uh, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think it, it's not so much in, in the, um, the I, I guess, the immer- immersiveness of the of the play, but the other thing that I think that uh, that Viticulture slash um, Tuscany has going for it is 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 these expansions yes and that's um, what i was going to touch on too because you know there there is the you know we didn't play it with vinos the marketplace right. yeah um and I'm, I'm sure that adds you know a lot to that game mm-hmm. but there is um you, you know there's more expansion with the viticulture in tuscany that that you know i think really adds to the replayability of this oh absolutely and even taking out the ones that are no longer available like if you mm-hmm. have the original tuscany yeah you have those few that like the the ones where you're you're doing the fruit or the ones where you're doing the cheese. There's a few little things that um, are no longer available um, in the essentials edition of Tuscany. Which taking even taking that out, there was things that we didn't do um, that are available, like the structures as these this uh, a little boardy add on that gives you structures. Um, there's also special um, workers that you can add on as well. And there's about in my version, I think there's about ten different special workers. And what you do, I, I just read it briefly, is you um, take you, you pull a couple cards out to represent whatever workers, and those are the special workers that are available that game. 
and anybody can recruit them. So when you're training a worker, um, it typically costs four lira to train a, a standard worker. If you're going to train a special worker, you spend one extra lira, so it's like five lira. But then you get that special worker in your in, in your field. And they could be used as a regular worker as well, but then they all have a special ability they can do. Um, and just looking at these special workers, uh, some of the special abilities are um, you could have the messenger. You may place the messenger on an action space in a future season. So it's like you can take this worker and put them first on, on somewhere you want to be in winter or fall or whatever before anyone else can. So that, that could be really big. Wow, that, that would be huge. Yeah, uh -huh. it would be. Um, the innkeeper. When you place the innkeeper, you may pay a lira to an opponent who has a worker on the same action space to take one visitor card at random from their hand. Like, holy cow. Wow. <laughs> so there's about, maybe there's more than 10. Well, in, in this version of uh, Tuscany, there's 12. There's 12 special workers. And I believe there's only ever a couple special workers available in a game. Uh, randomly shuffle 11. 11 worker cards and place two on the table. Set the rest aside. They would not be used. And so of those two worker cards, anyone can hire those particular special workers for one extra lira when you're training your workers. But um, that, that'll add a whole different level oh, yeah. to the game too because yeah, then yeah. you all of a sudden have these special abilities you can do that you couldn't do before. I think one thing to consider too about this, like expansions and stuff aside, yeah. is they're both excellent games. Yeah. But yeah. what you have to look at too from a personal level is what type of game you like to play because uh, viticulture is much more competitive. With, yeah. Like it, it is about getting to the spot first and turn order is important and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. where Vinos is a little more you're playing with people and there is yeah. going to be a final person but you're you're kind of contained you're doing your own thing yeah. and then you do your wine showing and stuff like that yeah. and the most competition that really comes in is the worker placement aspect well what they call worker yeah. placement yeah. picking your action and it's only a dollar usually that you're paying out to someone to get an action if they're in the space so it, it's a little more it's more, a little more friendly i guess is what i'm saying yeah a little less competitive throughout it becomes competitive for the final point scoring well a little bit competitive for for those uh those additional tiles yeah the, the additional well. tiles but, and uh, also for the um the prestige cubes for each region because oh the know, influence cubes the influence yeah. cubes or whatever they're called because um, you but might it, be able to, somebody, you might be able to grab a couple of those cubes and increase the value of your wine in a particular when you're selling it or whatever, before someone else can do it. Yeah, yeah. but it, it never quite feels no. cutthroat no, it's no, not cut, kind of thing. Like, like it. No. not that viticulture is cutthroat, I would no. say, but no. there, there's definitely a, a bigger opportunity to take someone's yeah yeah even even the, the tiles season. that you pick up at the end of the of the wine show in, in Vinos. You're really picking what's yeah, best. There's so for much. You. Yeah. There is. Like, yeah. how many were out there? Um, well, I could take a look at the board here. And like, there's quite a few. I felt like, like it was like 12? 15 or 12, yeah. It might be a, so, uh, it might be something like that. You um, know, with four of us playing, I mean, e even if you're going fourth, you got a choice of quite, a, quite a good assortment of tiles. It was usually like your, maybe your second, but your third choice that you started to feel limited. So yeah. it's not yeah. like, yeah. it was like, oh no, he took the best option for me. Because you got... Yeah. Pretty much your best option in your first pick for the most part. There's a couple purple ones that were kind of like, I would have liked that. But mm -hmm. it was never, uh, well, that's game-breaking right. kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like with, with Vinos, you're, I'm playing my game in you know in the same room as you guys. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Well, there was a bit of, with, with Vinos, um, 
like you, you can see when you see those those point ones out there, you could say, oh, if if this person gets that, they're going to get a ton of points. So there is there can be some like I did that once. I took this one because I knew if someone else got it, they would get a lot more points. I would get points for it anyways. It's just yeah. yeah. I, I think I was always picking based off of what gave me the most points. I wasn't really worried about yeah. what other people... There was, there there was, was a couple times, times where I was like, well, if they get that, but then I looked at it and like, well, this gives me more points, so I'm just going to take this. When, even if you saw those opportunities and you you know, you know mm-hmm. took that, that tile because if Jake got it, he would have you know yeah. scored a bunch. There, there were probably additional options that still gave Jake quite just a few... Just as many points. Yeah. Almost yeah. as many points, yeah. maybe, yeah. So, True. yeah, you, you can maybe keep him from getting a couple points, but... Yeah, it, I mean, I'm not saying it's not yeah. a competitive game. It's just not yeah, as just competitive not. Yeah. as Tuscany and Viticulture are, yeah. in my opinion. So, it, both excellent games. So, if yeah. you're if you're going to lean more towards a, if you guys can handle a competitive, you know, no one's going to flip the board. Viticulture is yeah. probably the better game to choose. If you want a little more relaxed, where it's you know hands off with other people, there's yeah. a little bit of interaction, but not a whole, whole lot. Then. Go with Vinos because they're close enough, in my opinion, that you could do that. They're mm-hmm. different mechanics, but yep. close enough. Yeah, I would, I would definitely play them, get them both back to the table. Oh, exactly. Definitely. Yeah, they're both excellent games. So, okay. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to. Okay, um, now we can say Viticulture won. Yeah, now we can say Viticulture <laughs> is the winner. <laughs> um, and then we'll move on to our second segment. Yeah, if you feel that that Randall often jumps ahead, feel free to write in and <laughs> tell him. Okay, so we'll go on to the next segment. Um, so this is, like I said, this is typically going to be the free form segment where we, we discuss different things. It just happens that there is a little bit of Imperial Assault news that we can discuss this time around, but then we'll also... Not news, but news. Well, not news, (laughs) news. Yeah. It's something that we knew was coming, but they finally announced. Um, and that took them over a year. Yeah. Well, yeah, over a year because they originally... Well, a year and a half, I think I first heard. Yeah, they originally hinted at it at Gen Con last year, wasn't it? 2016 yeah 2016 gen con so which was like march or may or something oh, right whatever that was. yeah so it is definitely a year and a half since they they first announced it but it's the um the app for imperial salt has officially been announced it's actually been you know hint, um put on their website as of um was that today no i think it was a couple maybe it was yesterday, no, it was yesterday. it was yesterday, yesterday they announced yeah. it as of our recording, anyways. Yeah, and it's the Imperial Assault Legends of the Alliance. So it's going to be, um, they're letting you know it's coming. They don't say exactly when it's coming, but they actually give you screenshots of it. Um, and it looks very much like, a, well, it looks very similar to... Um, Descent? Well, I was thinking Descent, but I was also thinking Mansions of Madness. Oh, a bit. oh yeah, okay. Um, just the way that, yeah, you got the tiles and they sort of reveal stuff as you go, it looks like. Uh, but a bit more 3D, so like they show a door on the uh, in one of the pictures, and it looks like a 3D door where uh, it wasn't like that in, uh, in in mansions. Is it like that in Descent? Yep. Oh, it is. Okay, so I guess it is more like Descent. I've never played the Descent app. Do you have? So, well, I mean, there there is some format differences to sure. it, I, which I makes mean, sense. It, they are different games, yeah, in many ways. So it makes sense, like that that character selection screen that they show. You have a nice, big, clear who they are kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the Descent one there was a little, little smaller. Okay. But it, not like it was hard to use or anything. No, just, sure. I mean, there's little style differences. Yeah. That's about it. And I guess the only thing is, then with this, you're taking it from a five-player game down to a four-player game. So 
the fifth player who ran the Imperials is gone. But given given the outcome of most of these games, the Imperial player is either crushing everyone or getting crushed and they're more of a facilitator anyway. Yeah, so. I was just thinking that the Imperial player doesn't get... You, 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 you lose that one person, they don't get to play. So it's not like we could add a fifth Rebel, I guess. It's just... It, it takes out a component of this game that... Yeah. It feels lonely to be playing a <laughs> five-player game when you're the only person that everyone else is fighting against. No, kind yeah, of thing. there's the like, whole one versus many. Yeah. Oh, so, is yeah. that how you felt while you were destroying us? You <laughs> felt yeah, lonely? It, well, it also feels bad because... Poor Vader. It, poor, poor Vader. As that person who you feel like you're running the game <clears throat> yeah. for me, mm-hmm. and you do feel bad when the the missions are so lopsided that it's like mm-hmm. if they're so bad... It can destroy four people's nights. Where if I lose, it's okay. Like it's yeah. four against many. That's acceptable to me. But I don't want to. Like okay, this week you guys are going to sit through an hour. I'm going to destroy you. Then you can go home feeling great yeah. about yourselves. Right? Like I, I wish yeah. it had only taken an hour to get destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Well, that final mission. I think that's what it was. It might have been. Or it like, might have. It, it just quick. felt like forever. <laughs> and it it just I, I like the idea of removing that player that and i mean the descent app it could get mean mm-hmm. like it could get yeah. really mean but sure. it, it it's a not in, as intelligent so it has to be mean but mm-hmm. you're four people in it together rather yep. than five people with one of them being the either the kicking boy or the right. one that just crushes four people and laughs at them for not being able to beat them i mean <laughs> is that what you did after we left oh, Jesus, always man. always no wonder your lonely. those guys sucked <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah it looks like you go through here you can add your whole collection in there so that's gonna, you know. Oh, that's gonna be. That'll take a while. That'll take a while to add everything <laughs> in. Yeah, because hopefully they have a select all. <laughs> except for yeah. that, well, except for the new stuff, I actually haven't picked up the yeah, new stuff yet. Me neither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm missing a little bit. Yeah, it's just the newest stuff. I haven't. Got the Empire expansion one. Yeah, the new Empire. Or well, the, depending yeah. on how how good this is, I mean that that might sort of spur both oh, totally. some more you yeah. know resurgence in my will, my desire to play this. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, I think know, a combination of the the way that last campaign went yeah. with the drop off of people participating in the skirmish aspect of yeah. this game the yeah. will to play it just dropped it did completely yeah. and the ability now if we when this app finally comes out to even go through from the very beginning again you know well, it, and, and and redo everything just they, they don't do the original campaign it should be their own like the descent app is a campaign on its own and then right. it adds stuff to it based off of the content that you've purchased I see for what you're the saying. game sure sure so you're not running through box one yeah. campaign and then you can do hoth or whatever it it's usually they'll come out with a campaign that's a tutorial on how to use the app and then sure. another one and then maybe expansion campaigns based off of what you've purchased and stuff right but then it randomly picks from what content you've bought and throws it in the game against you and right. also gives you what you can select as characters and right, right. whatnot. Sure. Side missions, all yeah. that kind of thing. So Which and would be great. Like it is a bit different than Descent in that it like Descent you go through it has two side missions and then a main mission and then two side missions and then a main mission kind right. of aspect. Right. And this is a little more random in what your side missions are and that you draw cards for the original game. So I don't know how they'll deal with that. If they're right. just gonna like they might still build a deck of side missions like a mission that, deck yeah yeah like they might do it completely the same it 
we need it. I mean, we yep. need to have it out. Oh, we yeah. needed it a year ago. <laughs> yeah. It just says coming soon. So with them, it yeah. could be, you know, well, this month, next month, or people thought next year. when they announced it a year and a half ago that that yeah, meant we were going to have it in six months, not, yeah. not a year and a half. Not a year yeah. and a half later. So. No, well, but, you know, if it took them this long to Hopefully get it right. It's quality. Yeah, that's that's the thing. As long as they got it right, that's that's the big thing. Well, and, uh, I mean, it's, they're descent apps to... free. If this one's free yeah. and it turns out to be slightly worse, then, I mean, you can't complain too much for a free app. I don't know. I mean, you have to add it to Fantasy Flight. Typically, they put out good quality. Yeah, they do. It's, they do. Exactly. And I imagine, you know, the first campaign or, or two might be free, but then I'm sure, I think Descent has this where you can add on stuff. And you have to I pay. don't remember any paid. I know we got an extra one based off of the expansions that my son owns. Right. So I think there's two campaigns in there. Okay. And because I know with mansions, like you get like a, a few free, you know, ex- campaigns, but there's a few things. That yeah, you there can might purchase. be purchasable things in there. Yeah. I haven't looked at it too closely, quite honestly. Yeah. And so. you can replay the game because it does add different components. I mean, there'll be missions that are the same, right? But I mean, you can make it different by character selection and whether you win or lose kind of stuff. So it's not like it's a one-time playthrough. I think you could get a couple playthroughs from each of these and still still see value in it. Well, that'd be good, too. What are you trying to do? What? Wants to be on the table. I know he does. Okay. Um, So, yeah, that was the only real news that came out of Imperial Assault, so I just thought we'd bring it up since uh we do talk about that sometimes sometimes sometimes, sometimes. and then the other thing we we're talking thinking about talking about this week is the um is getting into a little bit of detail in D beyond um if you're familiar with it or not it's the online resource that um uh wizards of the, wizards of the coast have come out with for th- various different things you can do with it um you can attempt to use it to run your campaign it was in beta for a long time mm-hmm. and then they finally released it and and made all the content available to subscribe to so that means there's a you know a yearly kind of price for it um you can subscribe as a player or as a dungeon master if you're the dungeon master you can make content that you have available to your players somehow uh, to a point i think um, I think it's more like if I have the appropriate content, I can make it available to my players so that when if they're using D&D Beyond to create their characters, they have all the options available to them for from all the different books, for races, classes, all the special things. Just, um, to, just to clarify for this, because I, I haven't actually looked at it myself, but yeah. what, what are their prices for subscription kind of thing? Like... Are we looking at something that's reasonable for what well, the the one thing the main I will hand to them bad. though is is throughout all of this like throughout yeah. the subscription and the content pricing they have set this up to be extremely granular yeah you can really dig into it yeah. however you want so for just the hero tier you can pay by the month you can pay semi annually which is every six months or you can pay annually yeah and um, you know that so the the monthly is three dollars, the semi annually is fifteen dollars for, for six months, and then twenty five or twenty six dollars for the year. So I mean, you know, there's there's cost savings right. for going the whole year, but you know, I, I guess if you're on a you know limited budget or whatever, you 
couldn't afford the $25 for the whole year right away, you could do it on a monthly basis. Yeah. And that essentially gets you access to the base content. Yes. Which is pretty which, much which, like the SRO stuff. Like yeah. The, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's probably less than... I, I think it's a lot less than what people thought was going to be available. Yeah. I think people thought that the entire player handbook would be available, and it is not. No. Because um, so by getting the, the 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 annual subscription or whatever, however you subscribe to it, you get access to the base rules, which anybody can even download for yeah, free. Yeah, they're free. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you can download those for free, but you get the online access to it, and using you can create your characters and keep track of them on here and everything. And eventually, I'm assuming there's going to be an app. Um, there isn't yet. So right now, it's all web-based. And then, if you want to g- gain access to the books in here, then you have to subscribe to the books. And there's different ways you can do it. You could... Well, it's, it's not really that you're subscribing to them, because once you've made the purchase, they are um, essentially permanently available as long as you maintain your subscription. That's right. Yeah, you 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 pay for the access to the books once. You just may have to maintain your annual subscription for, and if you the, let your subscription interface. lapse, do you have to rebuy the book? That I don't know. That yeah, I don't know if I've if I've seen anything about yeah. that. So I, I don't know. If I would like to think that, and you come back to it. I would hope you still have access to yeah. your stuff. I mean, because well, I think so. you'd still have a, you, you still have an account, right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, like I, I haven't I haven't actually subscribed yet, so I'm you know I've, I've my account is essentially the free account. Yeah. Yeah. So I would like to think that that somewhere it's recorded in my account that I. You know, I, I own these books, mm-hmm. and you know, or or what other content I may have purchased, and just, you know, if I decide to reactivate my subscription, it's available again. Right. Well, I mean, it's at three dollars a month for the hero tier. It's not a lot. No. Of money. Like it, it, it's reasonable, but yeah. at the same time, not giving access to something as basic as the player's handbook in its entirety for that seems wrong because I can right now go and find a deal for a player's handbook for 25 bucks if I wanted to. True. And they're yeah. going to charge me 26 bucks for the year if I get it a year at a time and not give me full access to rules. It's like if it's a supplement, it's not worth paying for. If it gives me the rules at the same time that I only have access as long as I subscribe, it becomes more worthwhile. Right. It's like so cuz well, so the- there is the thing that if you don't have the physical books, you could buy them on here mm-hmm. and only ever access them on here yeah. and have the full use of them because it is fairly easy to, to navigate everything in here. Like if I go into the Paris handbook, I, I would even say more easier, Way easier than trying to find something can, in the book yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Press a button it flips to the well, page. Well, you can search. Than, yeah. yeah. You can, and just, just use search. a search. Yeah. And, and search or you can or you can click on the appropriate category and get right to it. And I think while we've been playing, we all know how much I complain about their index where it's like, yes. I want to look up conditions and you go to conditions and it tells you to go or no sorry a specific condition and it tells you go to this reference in the index before the page it's like just give me the page number. my issue with it being getting older is that i need a freaking electron microscope to read that index (laughs) yeah the the typeface was so small yeah just expanded on the screen makes it a lot easier yeah true but and so if you look at it like to gain access to a particular book now unfortunately i have a lot of this unlocked so i can't um remember how much it was but it, it's generally in the neighborhood of like i think 25 dollars. The, the player's handbook is 29.99 there you go okay 29.99 but and this is what what i was talking about earlier you can if, if i didn't need that so i let's yeah. say i have i have my physical copy of the player's handbook so i don't need necessarily the rules in it 
but I, I really want to use D&D Beyond for character creation. And I want the content that's in the player's handbook that applies to that to be available. So um, I, I can get the entire book for that $29.99, or what I can do is I can buy components of it. So I can buy a component called subclasses, which has all the subclasses. But even, even more granular than that, I'm not, I don't know why anybody would really want to do this, but uh, you know what? I, I really only need the Assassin subclass or the Battlemaster subclass. I can buy each one of those for $2. And you can buy backgrounds as as a component and then, you know, in individual backgrounds if you want. I can buy the feats component mm-hmm. or just individual parts of it. So they, they've really, you know, granularized the crap out of this for purchasing options. Yeah. But the one thing I will say is that, you know, when, when you're looking at the at the hard copy price of the of player's handbook, you know, and a lot of these are like, you know, 50, 65 bucks for the book. If you're purchasing it from most brick and mortar, More, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's all I'll say is, I mean, you go online to you can find big them retails, for good prices. You can find them quite at a bit really cheaper. good prices. Um, but I mean, you know, getting getting you know the player's handbook for twenty nine ninety nine that integrates into the into the D and D Beyond interface. That then, as mm-hmm. I'm as I'm walking through the the wizard to create, a, 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 you know, a character. It, it automatically pulls this this information in and with just selecting a couple check boxes and and drop down menus you know it's it's all right there mm-hmm. i I think that's that it's actually kind of reasonable well i I think it would be reasonable if the subscription included the basic stuff for free as in the player's handbook i I can understand buying the extra content but when it comes to the basic rules of the game when you look at that you can get them online the yeah. like the condensed version that you pay nothing for. And to be fair, you can get access to that stuff too. The subscription just allows you to um, bypass ads. So I guess there's ads related to this mm-hmm. if you don't have a subscription. Oh, okay. So you can still get that content with ads. or And um, I think without having a subscription, you're limited to how many characters you can make based on yeah. that content. Yeah, with the free subscription, you can six. have six. Six characters. Yeah. So With the hero tier, it's, it is unlimited. So you can absolutely access that stuff for free. It's just when you get add and add in the three dollars a month or whatever it is, you're getting rid of ads and you're opening up that you can have as many characters as you want on in here based right. on that free content. I'm saying the basic should be the player's handbook though, because oh, yeah, sure. that I mean, like I said, I can go to a s- online store and find a deal for. I think I got like my dungeon master's guide, my player's handbook, and the monster manual for seventy bucks when yeah. I purchased this mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and that's. A physical copy that costed them production to make and right. ship mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where they're offering a PDF essentially online for the same price that I bought a physical copy for to add to well, something. But it, but it's not just that. Like I said, it's yeah. it's integration into the into the tool into set. into the whole tool set because yeah. you can get it as just a PDF. Where yeah, you can't. It's mm-hmm. like you're looking to a, an online book, which is boring as hell, and you can't search it. <laughs> yeah. Or, but if you if you get it like the full whatever, then you're getting it integrated in you can search the content like um especially with and what, where it really comes in is with the vir- different adventures um say you you want to get access to some of this content that's in a one of these adventures um but you don't want to buy the whole adventure 
then you can go in saying, okay, I want to add the magic items from Curse of Straw yeah, into my content. I definitely yeah. see the value in that. Like, yeah. I do yeah. see the value. It's just I'd like to see the basic, like, your yep. first three books or even just the two books, the Dungeon Master's Player's Handbook, included in this initial subscription because that's going to get people into this and it will yeah. support the service and then they're going to use They'll the great to modular the system in. that yeah. you have yeah. to Be- add more to it give them the opportunity to play the game originally with the subscription and the people are going to then flock to buying them the yeah. stuff that they crave or want well i think what i think what's said is is that essentially you they, they give you enough in the free account to play the game you know, in, in, this, in the same way that, the like, yeah. yeah, essentially the free subscription is is the original Redbox. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, and and then beyond that, it's, you know, then then you need to be spending it. Well, I, I guess I don't really know the difference between what they've included for free and their basic rules, and what's the difference between the player's handbook. I guess because I've always had and the, the player's rules, handbook. It's it's the same. It's essentially you you got all the full rule set in the basics. What you're missing is typically for each class you're missing a few um, of the subclasses. So they give you one subclass, one or maybe two. Yeah. So like the cleric, you might. Um, I can even just kind domain of cut down on cleric. Yeah, exactly. So there might be a, some of the bonus races may not be there. Um, you may only get um, one or two. Like with with bard, I think you get like the college of glamour, maybe or the college of lore instead oh there's lore and valor are the two main ones so i think all you get is like lore maybe and you don't get valor um with cleric you'll get like the healing domain the life domain and maybe one other domain but then there's all these additional domains if you have the players if you have the full player's handbook so that's what they basically give you for free it's it's essentially the full game just with a a few fewer options for each of the classes um, the feats, you won't get all the feats, and uh, and even some spells. Some spells, they don't give you like all the different spells. You get a good subset of the spells, but there's definitely spells that aren't there. So then my next question would be, is there an app that does the class selection for free? Like the the building of a character oh, sure. as efficiently that you can get for free or for like two oh, bucks absolutely. that would take the place? Some, someone's probably done it. Yeah. Well, there are apps out there, because I even use my character sheet app that I use um, lets me create a character with all the standard player's handbook options. Yeah, and you and I use essentially yeah, we use the, we same, use the same one. But so um, is this, it, but is it does rely on above it, the, it relies that. on on the person who's made that app to keep it up to Updated. date. Right. So as Xanathar comes out, it's you know, adding then, that then stuff they in there. they have to get that uh, that content added in. And some of them are, are pretty good about keeping up. But yeah. And like the one that we use, it does have the ability to import content. And there are people who have basically created all the additional stuff mm-hmm. that you can import it in, especially from the like Unearthed Arcana trial rules. Yeah. A lot of that stuff was created by people and made available that you could download and import them into the app so that you can create characters based on it. Um, and now that Xanathar comes out with the official rules for a lot of those characters, I'm curious if he's going to come out and add them. But then is Wizards going to start going after these people? Well, they can. I think... They really can't, because as long as they're not giving away rules, if they're just words on a page, I mean, we have the right to reproduce their character sheets, maybe not digitally, Mm -hmm. but they're not doing it as a perfect character sheet. True. It's not giving the rules. It's not 
even even his app it doesn't have the spells in it you have to add the spells yourself it's manual for yep. spells you're just creating a character based on the options for those classes which may be in a book that you don't have yet i mean ultimately yeah. it's no different than you writing on a piece of paper you're writing yeah. on your tablet or right. your yeah. laptop instead and someone's provided you with a format to write it and yeah. they're not giving yeah. anything away yeah That's i mean true. it i i think it might be out there somebody might be doing it quite well but yeah there it, are a few different digital character yeah. sheets out there yeah it just it, it goes characters. back to the are they offering enough for the value and yeah. i honestly don't know i am asking this question yeah. are they offering enough for the value well it, <laughs> so if if you if you took the hero tier subscription so i i i'm not dming so i don't necessarily need that yeah and i bought their legendary bundle the legendary has bundle has absolutely everything. everything that has been published yeah that the, the bundle goes for 335.21 but wow. but it also grants you uh, it secures a 15% discount off standard pricing for all future digital content <laughs> product purchases. <laughs> you will yep. automatically receive that discount for each new release. Yeah. Wow. That, that's a yep. big investment. It is. It is. It is. But that's every single book that's... Yeah. And that includes adventures, I think, too, right? It's everything. Yeah. It includes everything. Every so I guess you're digital... Getting... As Every long official as you keep digital content product, and that's with yeah, and, and that's you keep accessing it by having the yearly subscription. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, though, yeah, um, and I I don't know how how that would work, but you know, to, to have it all available offline mm -hmm. would be, and that's where I would hope that they eventually yeah. come out with an app. Well, and I mean, but then it would have especially to have a pretty good database in that app. For $320, I'd hope they'd give you a PDF that you could access for, I mean... I don't know. Um, the, off the internet or something. Well, like, still, what I mean by that, though, is, is not just access to, you know, a digital copy of the book, but um, but the tools that are available in D&D in &D Beyond as well. Yeah. You know, like if, if I want to create characters offline, you know, can I can I do that? Right. But... Yeah, something like a, an app that you can just fiddle with without having to worry about going towards a character limit or something mm -hmm. that they have online or yeah. even having to go through the process and have it saved to delete it and stuff like that. Just something to mess around with, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, and you're right. Like, there, there's the, the pricing online for hard copy is, um, you know, you, you know, we talked with Southern Day, Indigo, Amazon. You know they're they're actually quite good pricing. Yeah. Um, but it's I, I think it is enough of a different product, and the pricing for the D and D Beyond um, digital content is not. I don't know. It's it's not so expensive as to put it out of reach. Yeah, but I think they've. But they're, they're I think they're just under it. Like they're at that point where you can justify it, but you know. Yeah. It, what I can't justify is having having both. Yeah, and that's hard. Yes, I, I, you know, the artwork in in the in the new books is so good that I just have to have a physical yeah. copy of it, right? And that's why it makes it a little bit hard. And and we had, we had talked about this a little bit earlier. It's almost too bad the timing. If if they would have been if they would have had let's say D and D Beyond, um, you know, either either done or ready to go or almost ready to go when they started releasing five e. So inevitably, when they release sixth edition. Well, 
it might be the better way to buy right but yeah if if, if they had shrink wrapped the books with a code in it that Mm -hmm. you know i could could just import my book into it because i've already paid for it would be nice but yeah, I, I would have liked that too. Yeah. Some sort of way that they could recognize that you are a purchaser of their game. Yeah, yeah. And I want to subscribe, but I also want you to recognize that I've already bought this book for yeah. retail prices. So right. let me access it online through your subscription service as well. Now that being said, um, you know, if I if I have all these all these hard copy books and I really only use the D and D Beyond tool for for you know quick you know, wizard generic, you know, character creation, then I really only need to be buying a couple. Right. You know, just a small subset of, of the, the books, um, you know, within D and D beyond to, you know, flush out the options for creation. But so I don't know that, that might be worth it. You know, if you, if you like getting, getting through character creation a bit faster than, you know, flip to this page to look up, you know what spells I might want to get, uh, or flip to this page so I can, you know, look at backgrounds and choose yeah. that, or get select a feat. That's you know, the hard when, when part it comes for time. me is I, I don't make a lot of characters. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, so when I do it, I'm usually looking in depth at stuff, and I don't need an app. And initially, it I do like having something that's easy to store it in instead of pen and paper all the time, mm-hmm. kind of thing, but. I don't see a lot of value for me as a DM aspect because I have a physical copy of their books that I want to run. (laughs) And I would have thought so, but But now that I'm DMing, I find it very useful because there's so many times, even, even though when I'm not DMing, sometimes when I'm playing, if I want to look something up, I can just, you know, bring up my phone, go to the D and D beyond website and, and look it up fairly quickly and, and not even crack my book open. It just the convenience is I don't know. It but that's what I was going to gonna say. So to as it. a DM, I'm typically not opening books either because I have everything already. Like, yeah, I'm I'm the type of person that kind of pre-plans everything. I have it all written out and ready to go. So the app doesn't add much value for me in that regard. If you're if you're and that depends on how you're running your yes. adventure. If you're running like your own adventure that's not a published one. Yeah. That's yeah, big difference is uh-huh. if you're running a published one. If you're running a published yeah. one all that like probably having maps and stuff even easily accessible would be Actually, a huge it's been huge. Yeah, yeah. huge benefit. It has been because I've been able to like that's what I typically do is I'll bring up the map on here and whereas in the published adventure they give you like the one map and it's typically the DM's map, yeah. Not what you want to show, but in on here in the same adventure, they give you a player's version of each map that you can pop up and show online, and it doesn't give you all the details that you want people potentially not seeing. Well, they they did that in uh, Tomb of Annihilation. They yeah. actually gave a removable player's map with blank spaces in it that you have to explore. Oh, that's new. That's so awesome. yeah, yeah. I, I mean. I, I have no complaint about the quality of Wizards of the Coast yeah. with since they've taken over D and D. I mean, yeah. honestly, mm-hmm. so sometimes the writing's not always there. No, um, and, but that, or the details. But that's an individual yeah. adventure, right? Like uh, particularly their very first adventure that they came out with for Fifth Edition that was actually produced before the rules were finalized. Yeah, it was rough. It was yeah, but I mean, overall, their adventures and stuff have been good enough quality to the point mm-hmm. where I haven't felt the need to add stuff to create story their story 
is concise enough and in there there's mm-hmm. enough character that as a dm you can look at an entry for some major creature that you yeah. encounter and know how it's going to act mm-hmm. right and yeah. like what its responses are going to be just from a little paragraph of it's like if they ask this it will respond in this way in this attitude so the writing and stuff is there it's mm-hmm. it definitely would be an asset to have a quick access map though online right is it worth the subscription fee i don't know it's hard to say yeah it it, i guess it comes down to individually what you do i still make my players you know draw stuff out so like map out a (laughs) a dungeon that they're in kind of thing i I think it's it's an easy easy thing to answer it's you know the next time you're dming and just have it you get frustrated by something think to yourself would the app have helped is this is 25 dollars the right price to get rid of this annoyance (laughs) I don't know. Will yeah, someone or, kill or a player that... for twenty five dollars? As a DM, that's usually the only frustration I experience. Well, I guess yeah. it's uh, sorry. What is it? I guess it's fifty five for the for the DM's tier for the um, master tier. Yeah, which yeah, fifty five bucks. Let's let's your players access your content. So if you've unlocked content with the DM's tier. You're, um, you're accessing. You're giving your players free content essentially. Essentially, so, like they can create characters based on all the available content you, that you've made available yeah which is nice that, that, is, like, actually, that is actually very nice that is pretty good i like that um their character generator still leaves some something to be desired it's it's, it's still a bit rough yeah, yeah it's a little bit out of order actually yeah you you don't actually enter your your attributes until like step four step or three something. or yeah. something <laughs> yeah so you're, you're picking you know goes race class then attributes they're like all right I don't know. Back back in the day, we used to we used to start with roll the, roll them bones and. Get well, some I think it, technically in the book they do it in the same order. They give you race and then class, but yeah, most people roll the dice and then go. How does this work? What race do I want? I thought to be? attributes yeah. were done were done earlier than that. Maybe originally, but not. I can't remember anyway. But yeah, and then there's, think, there, there was yeah. no warning. Well. It, it all. It would be nice if they actually just had like a little footnote because it, it kind of threw me off. You know, I, I was thinking, um, you know, they they did have restricted content during the beta. Like there just was some stuff that was missing that, um, you know, later became available. And so I'm, you know, I'm running through creating a character, and oh, there's you know some backgrounds missing here, and I'm thinking, so well, is that is that like a holdover from when content was missing from the beta or should it be here or, you right. know, so it would have been, you know, I don't know, maybe a little bit more obvious that, you know, here's, here's what's going to be missing when you, you know, at your level. Oh, well. Yeah. So, well, and it, it doesn't, it, it was a little harder to, to support making your own background. Like mm-hmm. when I was playing with it, it, its functionality was there, I believe, but because it was also missing content, if you mm. start picking, it's like, I want this thing from this trait or this flaw or right. from these different backgrounds. It was a little harder to use. But, I mean, they they have time to refine this. Oh, yeah. D&D's not going anywhere. Yeah. So. No, yeah, and, and this is, <laughs> you know, it's it's really only been out of beta for, what, a month, maybe two? No, but maybe, maybe a bit longer than that. I no, think it's you not brought too it up in July. Yeah, so it's about I don't, four I don't, months, I think. Was it out of beta at that time? Since the subscription's been available, I think so. Okay. Yeah, because I think it was around the time you took your trip. That yeah, I was I was probably just getting back if it was July. Yeah. yeah. 
So must, must have been, in that, uh, in that general been. area. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, well, that's, so that's D&D Beyond. Um, it's that, that, you know, something to check out if you haven't already and you're into Dungeons and Dragons and you want to, uh, you know, see what it's about. Hopefully we've given you something to think about or, or some reason to want to maybe check it out. Um, but I think that's where we'll stop it this week. Uh, so thanks for listening. Um, make sure to head our website at www.boardnowgaming.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we have a subreddit. So we're on Reddit now as well. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, check out our our guild at Board Game Geek. Um, there's a link to it from our website, so you can get right to it. Uh, and you can um, maybe reach out to us there if you'd like. Um, I'm now also doing some videos, so I've got a couple of unboxing videos out there. I've just did a video for Gloomhaven. I just got the new second uh, printing of Gloomhaven and, and did a little video of, of all the contents. So... You know, if you're interested, go check it out and uh, like it if you if you could. That'd be great. But uh, until next time, thanks for listening and uh, keep on gaming. Good night. Bored now? Just a glass of wine with dinner. Just a glass or two to relax. Just a sip of wine to melt the stress away. Oh, it's so good for your health No, you can't be an alcoholic If you know how to hold the glass If you can throw the wine around In the glass and inside of your mouth No, you can't have a drinking problem If you look Just a glass of wine with dinner. Just a glass of